Hello, and broadcasting from the beautiful central coast of California, it's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show! What up, my dudes? Welcome back to the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. What's poppin'? How's it going, everybody? I'm Edward. Welcome back to our humble little show. We were gone for a little bit. Uh, that's because yeah, I was out we of were fucking fighting town. the communists. No, James was on vacation. <laughs> James is on vacation. We were going to try to like meet up over the phone. But, well, I uh, forgot my fucking recording rig, but yeah. it, didn't, it wouldn't have worked out anyway. But that's okay, because now we're back. We're... Not back on schedule, but we are back. Uh, dark Side of the Ring, Dark Side of Football, Iced Earth. This is a monumental episode, actually. This is important. This is the final Iced Earth album review. Fucking finally. Jesus fucking Christ. Yo, fuck this fucking band. Seriously, I don't know how the fuck that I ever liked this band, but they can fucking suck it. I don't know. I'm kind of going to miss uh, listening to Iced Why? <laughs> fucking Why? Well, that's part of the reason why. Uh, to make me cringe? <laughs> there are better ways to do that. Actually, no. Let's not make me cringe. <laughs> Cringing yeah. fucking sucks. No, next time I want next time I want to make you cringe, we'll just I'll just try to have Dylan on the podcast. But yeah. Um You're not wrong. <laughs> if, like we could do that right now. Just let me set up an unnecessary mic and point at the wall and get like no sound from it. I'm telling you, one day Dylan's gonna be the third the third host on this show. Impossible. He's gonna be our Craig, and it's gonna be great. So we just uh Oh boy we... fucked up first time and I don't even trust that shit. Should we uh should we just get into it? Yeah, tell me about this fucking iced earth. Alright, everybody. So the final iced earth album is called uh Fuck, I forgot to write the name down. What was this fucking album Should called? Should be called fucking Incorrupt... In, 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 incorruptible? In, uh, bleh, incorruptible. Incorruptible. Let me see if I have it in my notes. Fuck no. I don't know. Go Spotify that shit, bro. According to... Uh, you know what? I will. Since we didn't waste like... Yeah, but... 20 minutes on the intro. But yeah, uh, this this Ice Earth album is kind of interesting just because... And this is directly from the Wikipedia's page. For the album. This is their first album when this came out in 2017. This was their first album in 20 years where the album was not based on a concept or was not entirely a concept what? album. Yeah, it was not entirely a concept album. Wait, 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 wait. Plagues of Babylon wait, was wait, half wait, wait, a concept wait, wait. You record. said 20 years? Yes. When did this fucking come out? 2017. So in like 1997 would have been 20 years. Yes. Fuck, that band's been around that fucking long. Dude, what the fuck? Ice Earth formed, according to the wiki, Ice Earth formed in 1984. So you know what that means? That means that someone heard Kill Em All and was like, and then Ride the Lightning that year and was like, I got to do that. I mean, obviously there are other metal albums out there. And also it's an Iron Maiden or something. Oh yeah, Iron Maiden too. 
All right. So, yeah, the first non-full -con concept album in 20 years. Plagues of Babylon, the last album was like half of one, but whatever. So, so it, it counts, I guess. Yeah. It sort of counts, but whatever. So if that's the most newsworthy thing. <laughs> it's the first album that isn't a fucking concept, which... Maybe that was a good thing. Maybe. So I'm going to say this right. Good moments. No, honestly, this album didn't fucking suck. No. They actually ended on a good ish note. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> Plagues of Babylon was pure fucking trash. Yeah. But this. I thought you were going to call it pointless. It was pointless. It was just pointless fucking nonsense. But this album, I would at least say, is like, you know what? It's not half bad. So the shit started. The first song is called Great Heathen Army. This shit opened up. It sounded like God of War, but th which was cool. But then the song actually starts proper, and it's like every Eister song you ever heard. I noticed there's more, at least with some of these songs, I didn't notice there was seemed to be more attention to melody, not just vocal melodies, but like actual like guitar medleys too, things like that. Um, pretty much all I could say about this song is uh, so I don't think I think this was like a six and a half minute song maybe I just wrote down this was a banger and a pretty fun opener solos were nice uh, not a for me not a super memorable chorus I don't fucking remember anything off this album song so song two black flag uh, is about pirates <laughs> Literally, the song was. I thought when I heard this, this was a bad omen because I like the chorus and stuff, but musically, this song already, song two, sounded mostly filler, just going by music. The only noteworthy thing about this song for me is Stu Block singing about barrels of rum and killing fools with a cutlass. That's, I got some enjoyment out well, of it. I just, I could tell you since I actually took like just quick thought notes oh, yeah, i can tell please. you that song too i wrote down you know what it's still fun yeah and it's not feeling offensive so like it still it's still has it's, it's still having fun energy from the first song so yeah. song three raven wing it's a ballad it's a ballad ballads are eister's best songs for me and honestly the first bit was whatever but like when like the main like mid-paced riff came in like a quarter of the way through it picked up it was good well I don't know if I can't say it was good. It got good. I, I enjoyed this one. I wrote down it's like good, but not as fun as the previous two. Yeah. Song two is called The Veil. It's another ballad. Block does some uh, straight up like clean vocal singing on this song, which I thought. Uh, Did you say three was a ballad? Yeah. Raven Wing. It, well, it started off. I also wrote one. down four as a freaking ballad. Four was a ballad. Oh, so we got <laughs> two, two ballads back to back. All right. So I'm not on fucking crack then. Um. Structure-wise, it sounds like old Ice Earth, which coming from one of us probably isn't a good thing to observe, but it still sounded all right. Yeah, I no. really, I actually really liked the chorus on the veil. That was really good. Whatever, I just wrote down it was a fine ballad. Didn't didn't really touch me, so eh. Song five. So I guess I just really didn't give a fuck about this song. Song five, seven headed whore, or as I wrote seven here, seven headed whore, or as I wrote here, uh, more like seven headed fucking triplets, bro. It's a three-minute song, and once they do their intro, dur, 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 I'm like, oh, boy. It, it was all right, though, if I'm honest. Block hit some gnarly, like, hot, screechy high notes, and it just reminded me when he's not... I don't know if he's doing this on purpose or if John Schaefer is or what, but when he's, like, not having to just be Stu Block, he, he's a very capable singer. Souls were all right. You too. mean fucking Matt Barlow? or That's what I said. What I say? You said Stu Block. I'm like, yeah, it, well, I'm like, sorry, Stu Block is say, Stu Block. I'm I like, meant what to the say fuck? When Stu Block isn't consciously or being directed 
to sound like Matt Barlow. So I just He's a very capable singer. Yeah. So I just wrote down this song as triplets, bro. Fine. <laughs> See, you knew. So I was like, fine. I thought the song was just fine. It was fine. It was fine. Song six is called The Relic Part One. I guess this song isn't going to get a sequel anytime soon. Oh, no. Homeboy's got to go to jail. Uh, yeah, this song didn't do much for me. It was just a song. Did you get any like? I just wrote down not bad noodle guitar crap. That's a good one. Song seven is an instrumental. It's called Ghost Dance, Awaken the Ancestors. I thought it was all right. I don't know. It started off kind of cool, but it didn't really do much for me after that. Like, it just kind of stayed in like it. Not like it's not that they played the same thing for six and a half minutes. By the way, this didn't need to be six and a half minutes, but it just kind of like creatively and like as far as like like excitement goes, it stayed in one spot. Song eight, brothers. Oh, uh, I have a question. Oh, right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Come on. What are you doing? I just wrote down the epic instrumental prog. Well, I'm used to. And it was not bad. Well, I used- know. I actually put a little effort. I feel, no, I feel like I've been leaving you alone too much on these. Well, it's just. I, no. It, well, I understood, though. I understood because whenever I talk about Iced Earth, you're trying, like, not to sit there. and You had more excitement in your eyes when you were listening to the Slipknot discography. It was something to listen to. <laughs> it was actually felt interesting, and I was challenging myself. Yeah. There was emotion. Granted, there's only well, six I was challenging albums. myself to listen to this, but just like, dude, this is honestly some boring fucking crap. Whatever. But the Song. instrumental prog was not half bad. It wasn't half bad. Maybe my standards were really low coming off Plagues of Babylon. Like, really so, fucking low. Plagues of Babylon, I didn't think was that bad, like, when I first heard it. But after we talked about it and after I thought about it, and I'm like, fuck, that one might be one of their worst ones. It might be the worst one. <laughs> it might be. Uh, I think some Iced Earth fans, when they talk about their worst one, they always, like, throw the Ripper ones under the bus. Or they'll say, like, maybe. Yeah, the Ripper maybe, ones are so good. Maybe they'll say the Dark Saga. Or, mm. I don't know. So song eight's called Brothers. It's a freedom penis song. Fucking freedom penis, bro. Like you can just tell. This one was another. This was one that was just, all right. It was decently catchy. Nothing amazing, but it was it was good. I just wrote down this song was chill. Yeah. So I guess it was good. Song nine I actually liked quite a bit. It's the second to last song. It's called Defiance. It's simple. It's chuggy. I was actually it's a good song. I liked it. I wrote down this is a chuggy banger. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the most iced earth out of all the songs. I'll say but that, the yeah. least suck. The least suck. <laughs> yeah, it was like it felt like the most iced earth, but least suck of iced earth. Song ten, clear the way, December thirteenth, eighteen sixty-two. It's a freedom song, penis about the Civil War. I looked it up. Specifically, it's about the Battle of Fredericksburg. Yes, that's right. The final iced earth album ends with a callback slash continuation, technically. Of the glorious burden, which I think I put down was one of my favorite Ice Earth albums, if not my favorite. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, how was it? Not gonna lie, I liked it. So I wrote down for the first half it was kind of sick. I'm like, all right, the song has been pretty good, but once it started doing the major scale happy sounding shit, <laughs> I was dying. I was like, this major scale bit was fucking oh. killing me. And I was like, what the fuck? Bro, this was like Night of the Storm Rider levels of bullshit prog. Like, I think, well, some people consider that their most proggy record. But yeah, this this was some Night of the Storm Rider? Yeah. Oh, I can tell you right now, that's fucking horror show. I horror listen, show's pretty prog. I listen to these shit back to back. And I can tell you when I hear some fucking prog bullshit. This was some prog bullshit uh, halfway through. I thought the prog bullshit was all right. Wait, I didn't are we hate talk, it. Wait, are we talking about no, number we're, 10? We're, we're still talking about number 10. Yeah. Okay. It's nine and a half minutes. I just throw the fucking major scale happy sounding little like. Yeah, yeah. 
marching fucking who knows what it was just bad it yeah, was like was dude a- it's like dude you're sounding like maybe sick and heavy and i'm like what the fuck well yeah because halfway ha- halfway through this song yeah I just it breaks the- up and then you hear marching war happening sound effects you know yelling shouting guns and cannons um bagpipes yeah. And then it kind of does that for a bit. They do some interludes. It does that again. Then it repeats the verse, another chorus, and then it ends on the bagpipes and uh, more, more this, noises. Yeah. And the fucking major scale noodly guitar shit. So I'm going to say as a summary of this album. Yes. This album didn't fucking suck. It did not suck. And you know what? It was like, and it sounded honestly not fully iced earth. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Which they, is a good thing. They did some it was like different the, things. Like Plagues of Babylon came off as the most Eisterd fucking sounding. As, as I wrote, it's like, dude, this just sounds like a band that's ripping off A band Eisterd. that's ripping off Eisterd. But this yeah. sounded like they were ripping off other bands. Like this yeah. sounded like maybe times it made it, but sometimes kind of sounded like the same thing as Sabaton or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what you need to do as a band to feel fresh. Stop. Start ripping off uh, yes, bands. Yeah, start doing others. Start or other rather, doing Start bands. ripping off other bands. Yes. Because wasn't that that, because I think this interview came out when we were in high school, that Phil and Sommel interview where they were like, and I always quote this to our friends, but I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I probably have, but Phil and Sommel was asked once they were like, hey, uh, do you have any advice for 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 newer bands? And his resp- and his answer was, oh, dude, just steal. Uh, just steal. I don't mean steal from like one band. I mean, steal from a bunch of bands. So, you know, put that all together into a... Something. Into a something, which... Yeah, this sounded like he was listening to other music. And like, it just sounded like, oh, hey, you weren't doing the Iced Earth thing. You actually went and tried to start doing another band sounding thing. Yeah. And it honestly sounded good. I'm like, God damn it. I thought I was just going to fucking rip this. This is another boring piece of shit album. But I'm like, this is actually one of the good ones. This, re- this was, just- was fucking shocking. <laughs> this just reminds me of like the thing I've been saying about Iced Earth since we started. There are flashes of, I would actually legitimately say greatness. Sometimes with John Schaefer's writing. And sometimes there's a lot of shit. There's but a lot I, of shit. I can say after this month's long journey, I can I think I can say the Ice Earth ended on a good note for us. You want to say, yeah, at least you could, that's something to say. Because there was stuff we liked. There were albums we liked or there were parts of albums we liked. But freaking, for the most part, it's like they ended on a good note. Yes. So you will pull up the fucking um, studio albums list. Let's try to rank these. Oh, absolutely. We're at that point right now. Okay, I got them right here. Um, you want to just well, go in order and see what we think about them? Okay, for sure. Uh, self-titled. Self-titled. That, I will, uh, going off memory, I'm going to, oh, really like, quick. compared to everything else, that's like a mid-tier-ish. They have a, let me just do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They have 12 albums. So out of the 12, where would you say Ice Earth ranks? The that first, one's the in the middle right now. Uh, Night of the Storm Rider. Above it. Burnt Offerings. I forgot about Burnt Offerings. I thought... I yeah, for- there's so much. <laughs> I forgot about Burnt Offerings. Fuck, was Burnt Offerings... That's like the one a- with Dante. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember Burnt Offerings I was better remember, than... Nor- I don't remember that album. Like, I remember I, Night of the Storm Rider. Yeah, I remember that. I actually liked that one. Do you like that more than Burnt Offerings, though? I re- well, I remember it more than Burnt Offerings, but I don't know if that's a, if that makes it good or not. I think it's below Storm Rider, but above Self-Titled. Maybe. Dark Saga. I would put that above uh, Storm Rider. That one might be. That might like be number five on the top five. Maybe. I maybe I'm being too nice. Something wicked this way comes. Nah, I put it uh, above Dark Saga. Horror show. 
See, you hated horror show. Yeah. I actually kind of liked it. I don't know. Do you want to put that between uh, Iced Earth and Bird Offerings? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Uh, Glorious Burden. Oh, top well, that, tier. Well, that was my favorite that's one. That's top tier. That's, that's my favorite. That's to the top. <laughs> uh, Framing Armageddon 1. Or, sorry, sorry, Something Wicked Part 1. That's kind of nearer uh, Night of Storm Rider territory. That's under Glorious Burden for sure. But do you feel like that's above, like, Something Wicked or Dark Saga? Thinking. You are thinking. Probably better than Dark Saga, I think. See, I don't think it's better than Dark Saga. No, you don't? Okay. So we could put it under Dark Saga, and that should be above Storm Rider. So yeah. Yes. Uh, then Crucible of Man, something wicked too. See, again, I remember liking that a lot in high school. So, I so w- is that above one or above two, or is that like above one or under one? Or is it lower? Mm. Well, if we were What's just- where you put it? Well, I, obviously, I'd put it under uh, Glorious Burn, but I'd probably put that like... Glorious Burn is at the fucking top. No, it's at the top. That's why I'm saying... I don't know. I uh, That's top for me. That's probably... It's in top 10. Well, it's only There's 12. There's only 12. Only 12. Between, between 8 and 4. That's where I'd put it. I know it's a little... Well, what, what, like, fucking, where do we have it? Goddamn, we're not really, like, writing these fucking down. Yeah. Well, I just remember we have Glorious Burn... Fucking, I remember that being all right. You know what? I'm trying to think if I thought that was better than one. Did you thought it was better than one? See, I don't know. They were both uh, They were both kind of different. Then we'll just put it above one. Okay. They're both kind of in the same area. Uh, I don't go- know if one shines more than the other. One yeah. felt better. But honestly, what it sounds like, we can put that there. It's above like freaking Framing Armageddon one. Uh, the next is uh, Dystopia. Dystopia wasn't half bad, right? No, it was, it was pretty good. Then we could put it above, like... I'm trying to remember if that was better than Dark Saga and something wicked. Yeah, it was better It was better than Dark Saga. Then we could put it, like, above, like, Dark Saga, but not as good as something wicked. Plagues of Babylon. That one's Fucking the- to the bottom! <laughs> Fucking don't even bother me with that shit. <laughs> under the under under the self-titled, under, under Night of the Storm Rider... And under burnt offerings, like it's number twelve. It's the very bottom. It's the it's like the it's number twelve. There's no fucking debate. That fucking one sucked. Now this one could be weird because this was actually pretty good. Incorruptible. Yeah. Yeah. I would put it above something wicked. Okay. All right. So fucking, we got glorious burden. What number was, one. What was our number two? I feel I could be wrong. I feel like number two is probably. It sounded like number two's between. Uh, Crucible of Man and Crucible uh, of Man. So where was where something wicked part two? I think it was like something wicked, like the first one. Like oh, the, ju- just something wicked. Yeah. This way comes. Okay, was just something wicked. Well, because it went something wicked this way comes. Then they did Framing Armageddon, which was something wicked part one, yeah, 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 and then yeah. Crucible of Man, something wicked. So two. I'm trying to think. Um, is it better than something wicked? Now something wicked's got like their like most biggest hits. I'm so, trying to remember. I feel like when we listened to it, you weren't too hot on it. I thought Something it was wicked. I thought it was the best one out of like what we were listening to at the time. Oh, at the time it was the best. Yeah, low bar though. Well, yeah. So friggin' um, you know what? I will give Incorruptible number three, and I'll let Something Wicked have, let's have second place. Okay, let me let me actually write this down. So at one we've got uh, uh, Burden. What was number two? Uh, Something Wicked. Something wicked and incorruptible was three. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, 
Do you want to rank the whole thing? Do we put two? Dystopia above Dark Saga? I thought we did. So then it would be here. Okay. Because then it would saga. be Crucible of Man and then Framing Armageddon. Crucible of Man. Framing. Okay. And then after Framing would be Dark Saga. Dark Saga. All right. Then what would we got left from there? So from there we have. It'd be like um, Night of the Storm Rider, right? Yeah, because so we still have the self-titled Storm Rider offerings, uh, Horror Show, and Plagues of Babylon, but we know that that one's number 12. So yeah, I think right here, we already said Dark Saga, right? Yeah. So then this would be Storm Rider? Yeah, probably. And then the last was, what was the last four? Um, We've still got uh, self-titled... Burnt Offerings. It'd be Burnt Offerings next. Okay. Then it'd be the self-title. Okay. Um, burnt and 10 is uh, self-titled. Yep. And then we got two left, which would be, I will put Horror Show and fucking Plagues of Babylon. And that would be what I would vote in as the Dr. Death Danger album tier list for a fucking Iced Earth. See, you really hated Horror Show. I thought Horror Show was a little better. Dude, it was like nothing was good except Dracula. <laughs> well, yes, but Dracula was really good, though. It carried that Th- whole album. That cannot carry, I, I that's actually all liked carrying a whole album. I actually liked Fam of the Opera, too, a little bit. Not as much as That was Dracula. like a half, though. That's like one and a half. So, yeah, everybody. Uh, one and a half ain't going to count. So, one of the, uh, so yeah, that's the Dr. Death Danger official ice or tier list. Plagues of Babylon, more like the shit of Babylon. Horror show, more like horrific show. Horrible it is a show. Horror show. It is a horror show. Ice Earth, more like Ice Ages, because this shit. I don't know. Burnt offerings. Yeah, you should. You should have burnt. It's a slow should, burner. If someone offered this record to you, you should have burnt it. Night of the Storm Rider. Um, it was fine. Dark Saga was pretty good. The yeah. novelty of of it being related to Spawn wears off pretty quick, but there was some good stuff. Framing Armageddon. Um. I might have put that one above the first one, but hey, High School Memories, and it was still a good album. Still Wait, you like that more than for, like something with I said might have. They were both about the same. Uh, for really? Uh, well, the next is Crucible of Man. I feel like I thought Crucible of Man no, was No, I'm sorry. Crucible of Man is the one I thought was better. I'm sorry. Frame Hour Again is the last Ripper one. Yeah. Yeah. Crucible of Man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I would put that above Frame Man. You're right. Then number four is... Um, oh, whoops. I put Dark Saga there by accident. Hmm. Because uh, we had Dark Saga for number seven, right? Something like that. It was under Framing Armageddon. Shit, what we have for... Uh, what Go we have down. For- oh, what was what? What do we have for what? Come on. Well, me. three's incorruptible, two something wicked, and then uh, one's burden, the glorious burden. Okay. Then what was number four? I don't remember. Because we had Dark Saga as number seven, Go right? through the fucking albums again. Uh Great radio. Uh, Great Ice, fucking radio. Ice Earth, Night of the Storm Rider, Burnt Offerings, Dark Saga, Something Wicked, Horror Show, Glorious Burden, Framing Armageddon, Dystopia. We had Dystopia there. Because I remember Dystopia not being half bad. Yeah, Dystopia. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I think it might have been better than the fucking Framing Armageddon, the fucking uh, Something Wicked, like, freaking concepts. No, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Incorruptible. Um, yeah. Um... Listen to more bands and let that reflect in your music. Something Wicked. Hey, sometimes you're most iconic, except iconic for a reason. And then number one, Glorious Burden. Hey, 
sometimes it just was fucking awesome it was awesome sometimes you hit gold and we thought that was gold i'm sure at the time all the iced earth marks were and i've seen people say this they're like no not literally because no one talks like this but people are literally like no barlow no buys but glorious burden oh yeah no barlow it sucked Yeah, no. Tim Ripper, ooh, he's singing Judas Priest. That's gross. Ooh, it's not Halford. If someone tried to tell me Judas Priest was gross, I wouldn't. I couldn't be friends with them. But yes, that is our official list. What did you think of Iced Earth? Well, we don't know because there's no way for you to contact any of us. But oh, you can comment on our Podbean, I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. No one fucking comments, so I kind of don't care. I ain't plugging it, but whatever. What to the few little listeners? Tell us, like, freaking, uh, make your own list. You can go listen to Iced Earth. Honestly, I would prefer if you didn't. Actually, don't listen to Iced Earth. Iced Earth sucks. Go what listen we, to something better. What do we want to listen to uh, for next week? Fucking, I want to listen to something funny and cringy. I, I think I know what you're gonna say. Oh, yeah, what am I gonna say? Are you gonna say the Slayer new metal? Yes. Album? <laughs> Let's go listen to Slayer's new metal album. Okay. So that's that's good. So if you don't know what you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Slayer made a new metal album. I thought Slayer only had four albums, and then World Painted Blood and Relentless. What? No, my friend, only four. Well, the first four albums, you know, um, fucking. Uh, well, what about South of No Fucking Seasons of the Abyss? That's album number four. That's album number five. That is. Yes. Oh, I forgot about Haunt, not Honey in the Chapel. I forgot uh, no. about a hell, I forgot about Hell Awaits. Yeah. Sorry. I always forget about that album. Fucking poser. I don't know why. Where's I, your fucking poofy no, Nike no, freaking like high tops, bro? I always think it goes show no mercy, straight in the, the rain and blood. Where's those like freaking like acid wash freaking tight jeans, bro? Bro, the freaking he- the suicide he- meals, boys, flip up bro, hats and freaking wait- like. <laughs> Hello Waits is pretty forgotten in the lineup. If you if you look at the classic albums, I mean, yeah, you know, show no mercy's got the cheese. Rain and blood's iconic and seasons of the abyss is a good follow up and south of heaven i mean south of heaven the song is so good i mean there's nothing really else on that song worth my except, yeah, but that album's except so for their, rip-offable you don't even realize it what though. south of heaven yeah there's so many bands wasn't that, that one of the, wasn't that one of the albums where a lot of death metal guys really listened to there was like a lot of death metal guys but i also feel like 90s hardcore took an influence from it too Hardcore guys do like Slayer. Yeah, and that's like one of their most grooviest freaking like stuff. I haven't listened to the album in a long time. The only songs I remember off that are South of Heaven and then their uh, their weird cover they did of um, Dissident Aggressor or whatever, the Judas Priest song. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was on South of Heaven. Yeah, it's like the next to last song. But yeah, fucking, we're just listening to Slayer's new metal album. I've been waiting for this. Or should we like rank Slayer's fucking albums? Well, not right now, obviously. Can we not? That's like a yeah. lot. Yeah, no. Um, but I do want well, to. Do, do, I actually want to listen to Slayer Nouveau album because that would be entertaining. The uh, yeah, I I don't know if Slayer's a band where I would want to listen to the discography for the podcast. We have to be selective with that. We want to be selective. You know, you can't handle the b- bat weekly back to back Slayer. No, no, I can. Fucking it's just, Slayer. No, I just didn't know Fucking if Slayer. Fucking Slayer, dude. I didn't know if you wanted to like... Metal, dude, metal. I didn't know if you wanted to just do a bunch of one-offs and then maybe pick another band to randomly go through or consult the book. But consult the... We'll figure out next time. Well, next time we're for sure going to listen Let's to Let's just Slayer do one-offs, album. dude, because fuck Die Sturt. That was just annoying. I hated just like freaking out to do that every week. And it's like, well, it's your podcast. Why not? It's like, I'm like going to commit. Come on. And it's like, I'm not going to not not. 
That'd be like dumb. What the fuck? All right. Now, question. My fucking notes start off with fucking uh, Dark Side of the Ring and then Dark Side of Football. What do you want to do? Mine always, I always start with football. Do you want to get into football? I want to say yes because my notes for that are probably the worst. So I just kind of want to get that over with, which is kind of lame because oh, I feel like we've fuck. been, well, because I feel like we've been building up to this episode because I've, the last two episodes, it came out that I'm like a super duper Raider mark. So I feel like there's expectations on this one to anyone that's listening. Well then, my dude, can you grab me a Yerba mate? And then I will introduce this shit. As in fucking hello listeners, we're back today to do the episode of Dark Side of Football. Oh, fuck. Damn it, what was the title? I was like, always a raider. Once a raider. Once a a raider. Oh no, you were grabbing your own water. I was like, what the fuck you give me? I need a drink too, bro. Whatever. Once a raider, always a raider. And basically, how does this episode start? We have basically all these people talking about how badass the Raiders were. Yeah, the heels of wrestling, bro. Heels of wrestling or heels of football? I meant football. Fuck. Yeah, we're just going down like all this laundry list and stuff, too. I didn't get too much specific on it because there's a lot of us like, I get it. Raiders are fucking badass. And yeah. And we like have a split second meet Bill Romanowski. Or as the Raider Nation calls him, Romo. This man, we'll get to more talking about because he really only shows up here in the intro that he's gone like, for halfway through you it. You know, there's a weird format where they like to do on these things where they kind of like have like one of their more interesting topics. They fucking tear Or kind of what like the episode is. They kind of like have that as like a freaking foreshadowing yeah. or something. Or like kind of like an interest piece to kind of get into things. But then they kind of like go into more detail later for whatever it's really, reason. They fucking Tarantino it. They start it. They show you the middle and the almost ending first, and then they sh- and then they go back. It's like a flashback almost, and then they show you, and then they get to the main part of it. Because uh. if you read the synopsis, the synopsis highlights. I mean, it says you know, yeah, the Raiders are bad boys, but it highlights the fact that uh, the episode's talking about Romo. So I went into this thinking, okay. This is just a uh, this is just a documentary about Romo. Yeah, Bill Romo. And half of it is. But whatever, and like there's like the intro talking about his rowdiness, how he liked to fucking beat the shit out of people and stuff. This guy and was a have him, stiff shooter. And then we just have him there talking about how he took the game super serious, so yeah, serial and friggin' like he's not one to be fucked with. This but is then, how he. This is how he talks. He talks like this is a game about this is, respect. This is if about you it. let someone punk you, they will punk you out of the league and he's like he's had like i'm spoiling this but homeboys had a lot of concussions i'll save the number for when they say it but and he talks really slow and methodical like imagine if jake the snake roberts played football and he's just got this wide-eyed intense look his face is old and sad. this motherfucker looks like a serial killer yeah i know but yeah the intro like you said talking about how how the Raiders were outlaws, the crazy fan base, how the Raiders broke bones and rules, which yes, that's all true. Any crazy story you've heard about the Raiders is from like before the 21st century is most likely completely true. Yeah. They specifically mention Romo who comes in and says the business is about respect. Like I said, it's about respect. Romo punk you. Romo says you'll be like pushed out of the league. <laughs> I can't replicate his voice. He's just, 
he's like a serial killer. Whatever. So after so, the yeah, intro Rom- of Romanowski, we yeah. literally then go to the history of the Raiders. Yeah, this that's how it goes. It it because they, they talk about Roma for a second. They're like, because he's like, you know, I had this intensity that coaches respected, and you know, he got it. They show he got his start in the 49ers, went to the Broncos, and then they talk about you know violent altercations. They show him spitting in a dude's face. And the Raiders were like, this shit's dope. Let's get him. And then we go back in time. Yes. To, it's a short hit. We start with, for the first quarter here. The short history of the Raiders. Now, I don't know when they exactly started, but they were part of the American late, Football League. I think it was like the late 50s. No, no, I think it was the late 50s or early 60s. Whatever. It's around the time where the American Football League started. Yeah, the a, a, rival against the NFL. Yeah, because at this point, AFL hadn't been, hadn't been bought out by the NFL yet. They talk about how Oakland's always been an underdog city in the shadow of San Fran. The Raiders at the time were nothing special until the early 60s when Al Davis came around. They talk about, uh, they make mention about how he did things that the other people in the league wouldn't do, like how, for instance, he employed uh, black athletes. They mention this later, but he also had like the first black head coach in the league. Yeah. And he all, they don't say it like this, but they make it sound like he almost looked for people with checkered past. And we don't mean like, oh, this guy was kind of whack this and that. No, no, no. There were people on the Raiders football team that were like criminals. Yes. <laughs> we're talking gangsters, uh, street, you know, street people, people that have been arrested. But Al Davis didn't give a fuck, though. Al Davis didn't give a Just win, baby. Hey, just win, baby. <laughs> uh, so then Jim Plunkett on. He, who's a Raiders legend, said Al gave them the freedom to do whatever they want. As long as they show up on Sunday and win. Yep. He said uh, some people use the term colorblind. He says that uh, he felt Al Davis was not colorblind. He was color conscious. And then, you know, there's a a short bit where several of the guys are just like, just, you know, they repeat his catchphrase. Just win, baby. Just win. Yeah. And this is when Al Davis is the head coach. But then we eventually get to the merger of the AFL and the NFL. Yeah. And then the Raiders, uh, the Raiders fought the Packers. Thus bringing in the Super Bowl era. Yes. Which I, is still yeah. a constant era. It sounds like a very long era. Yeah. Well, because we still have the Super Bowl today. Yeah. So. And that's hella long. Like, Super Bowl's been over around for 50 you know, the, years. The funny thing is about the Super Bowl, I feel like the Super Bowl remains prestigious in a way, but. Actual, the actual NFL itself act like doesn't. Yeah, but like but the yes. Super Bowl. <clears throat> but yeah, so NFL absorbs the AFL. Uh, you know, they were talking about how Al, Al Davis's mentality, he cared about winning, being tough, encouraged like competitive, vicious thinking. And then um, they had this coach, I forgot his name, but they lost against the Packers at Super Bowl two, which is part of part of the rivalry. Which basically, rivalry with yeah, I know, because after the merger, freaking yeah, dude, the fucking Raiders went to Super Bowl two, mm-hmm. but like for some reason, the Raiders were kind of pretty trash in the game. Like they were tough and hard hitting, but like they have a story. They it were sound selling, like their offense couldn't fucking score. Which is funny because nowadays it's the opposite. Our offense is pretty good. It's our defense. That's our defense is such a meme. It's insane. But yes, so, and they had this coach. I forgot his name, but, you know, players liked him. Al Davis liked him, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. And you know so what? So Al Davis was like, you're gone, my dude. And thus we get the intro of John Madden. John fucking Madden. As He's probably the greatest coach we ever had. Basically. And not just because he led us to two or three Super Bowls. He was like three. No, yeah, that's right. He won all three of our Super Bowls. Yeah, but basically a young John Madden became one of the... 
maybe the head, the youngest head coach at the time. I think stuff. he was because he only had like two years experience. And we just like just show him just being angry and aggro, cursing out everyone. Man, there's so, and I know this is incredible. Oh, man, football, what the fuck? Why don't you guys fuck ball? Where's my fucking flag? Beat foot athlete with tough actin, tenactin. Wasn't that the thing he used to, he was in the commercials <laughs> for? Remember that, that, so. that, that foot spray? I think so. For athlete's foot? Yeah, yeah. Fight back athlete's foot with tough actin, tenactin. Did you ever see that one? Did you ever see that one Keanu Reeves movie called The Replacements where he played a quarterback? Maybe. Let's just say no. Well, it's a good movie, but John Madden. Yeah, because Keanu's in it. Keanu's greatest. I've loved that movie. A very underrated movie for him. Gene Hackman is also in the movie. It's a good movie. But John Madden's in there. He plays, it's about football and he plays a commentator. But yeah, well, so wasn't John Madden, a commentator so, for football. So yeah, John Madden, he was young and hungry, passionate. They talk about and they angry talk, and fat. <laughs> they talk about how gloriously fat. <laughs> he was a thick boy. Yeah. They talked about how Madden. He's a tall, a, thick boy. Too. He's a tall guy. Like he's tall, but there's a lot of just mass in his midsection. Yes. They talk he's about a funny looking dude, <laughs> but he's an awesome dude. He's a, he's amazing. They talk about uh, how uh, as a coach he was good with the X's and O's, but his key skill was uh, he was he worked good with people. And they mentioned some random stuff just about how we had like a certain mindset for like the game and stuff. Like one guy mentions that he was the kind of guy where you could go to any stadium, he knew where the best hot dogs were. Dude, that literally was talking about because he would always walk around every stadium he would go to and always hit up the concession stands and get a hot dog. So he know which stadium had the best hot dog. He had to get that thick somehow. Hey, dude, yeah, you don't get thick just chilling. Well, you kind of do, but you need a grub too. Yeah, 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 of course. So the Raiders at this point in time are public enemy number one, the heels of football. Then we've got fucking... The uh, Raiders OG fan, not fanboy, that's disrespectful, but like the diehard fan, like the poster child for Raiders diehard fans, fucking Violator, who, like, you don't understand. Violator, I I, I don't remember. I thought he had like a, Wiki- say, I thought he had a there, Wikipedia page. I'm about to say, is there any team that is like, have is like unique fans as the Raiders? And don't be biased. Like, no, no, I, no, I'm. Listen, we were the fr- they say in the documentary, we were the first ones to call our fans a nation. We were the first ones where the football team was a way of life. Are people like that now? Yes, but they say later in the interview, he would go, this guy would go to tailgates and they he'd see Oakland Raiders tattoos and like, you know, nowadays that's common. Yeah, well, but tattoos you didn't see are, it that then. That see, here's the now. thing, like tattoos are common now, but fucking back in the 70s, it's fucking weird and taboo. Well, maybe not in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in Oakland, but I'm sure not as tight as people oh, are. Oh, no, 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 no. So at this point, like tattoos are in our form and people just, just cover up their bodies to this shit. Yeah, exactly. Like a couple tattoos, you're either post-military or you're a fucking criminal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah well, that know. tells you a lot about the fan base. But um, they talk about the rare nation and the black hole. You see, the fan the Black base, hole. Some people call- What's the black hole? Some people misattribute the black hole to being like the, the name of the fan base. No, black hole is, is a section of seats behind the, um, behind, uh, 
behind her by one of the field goals, basically. Like they have signs there. You could see them. You, you used to be able to see them on TV when they're there. They have the signs out. That's where all the fans that dress up like they're going to a Legion of Doom party dress up. They've yeah. got all the face paint, the crazy shoulder pads and shit. I still remember. I don't know if I said the story on the podcast. I remember when I was a little boy, I was about seven years old. We went well, to. Well, I don't a, think we really talk about much of the Raiders football. We went to. Yeah. We went to a Raiders game and they were at the tailgate. These dudes had like a long pole and there was a string attached to it and attached to the string. They had strung up a Broncos doll like they were hanging him and then they lit it on fire. Sounds lit. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's and that's one of the least crazy things to happen, bro. Raiders fans go go ham. I think I saw reports. They somewhere. go hard in the paint. I, th- Yeah, I think I've heard some reports that have tried to say that the Raiders actually haven't sold like as much merchandise as people say or, you know, technically for teams like the Browns or whatever like that. Technically, there are other teams that have more dedicated fan bases. And yeah, stuff. but I don't know if other teams got Metallica playing like fucking tailgates. Yeah, we have Metallica. So fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Who like, do the Patriots have? Godsmack? I don't know if God's. I don't no. know. I don't know. If Sonny, Sully. Do you see like that. Ice Cube wearing freaking Pat's gear? The no. NWA guys. Yeah. Easy E. His iconic look is wearing that Oakland Raiders fucking uh, snapback. Yes. Good shit, man. So yeah, now uh, they. Well, cut... who was the LA Raiders at that time? St- yes. Yeah, Let's just about. say Raiders. Footage of them. Um, you know, we see footage of them kicking ass. People talking about how hard they hit. They would take your head off, like getting clotheslined by JBL. Then we get to the Raiders and Vikings Super Bowl, and they comment about how uh, this is the this is the one the first one we won, and they were talking about how you know the Vikings guys showed up, they looked nice, but then like fucking the Raiders showed up and they were in like their their jean jackets and their ripped up shit. It was funny because yeah, no, they were wearing jean jackets. So like yeah, they pop up. It's like maybe sometimes like the fucking team players are wearing like suits and stuff, yeah. or maybe they're wearing their jerseys or something, or like. Freaking varsity jackets. These motherfuckers coming out in freaking like leather vests and leather jackets looking like Hell's Angels. Were you watching the footage when they stepped, when the actors stepped out of the bus? They had like, they had like, like the cutoff uh, jean vests yeah. and like they were wearing bandanas and shit. Like they were fucking. They try to look like a gang. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's why so many criminals like the Raiders. It, it, was, it was like, the, it was like the, the documentary stopped and they were showing footage from, uh, from like the Warriors movie. Basically, yeah, they came out looking like the fucking warriors and shit. So now we meet Lyle Alzada. Uh, this Lyle, m- right? Lyle, yeah. yeah. This I could guy, not get his first name or know how. I to thought sp- it was Lyle Al- Alzada. It's Alzada's Al- his last name, but I thought it was Alzada or Alzado. I thought it was Alzada. I thought it was Alzado. Well, either way, so I thought I wrote that Alzada. He joined the uh, LA Raiders. He was initially part. Well, they like moved to LA. When they moved to LA, and yeah. then they pick up like a friend, like Lyle. He worked Alzado. with the Broncos. He was part of their famous Orange Crush line. He was an animal, crazy. He was an animal, crazy, feisty man. This guy, this and guy, like literally, it's like, oh, you're unprofessional. We can't have you. It's like, yeah, they were like, and this one dude tells a story. He heard about Alzada and his wife, or whatever. Uh, well, this is like Razzy with the LA because they yeah. like did a quick thing where they were talking about like. He was on the Broncos and Larry was unprofessional, but then he was like, went to the Raiders as the Raiders like, oh, we want you. We like your wild animal, like friggin' wild thing. Yeah. Wild thing. Friggin' like wild animal, like friggin' nonsense and stuff. But yeah, then we talk about him hanging out at a theater in Westwood, which this could have been the one that like good friend, our good friend Bonesteel worked at. 
Maybe. Oh, fuck. I think you're right. Yes. So he's hanging out in the theater in Westwood and stuff. And there was like a gang that was like hanging there being rowdy and talking and stuff. About like six And guys. supposedly he like asked them to like, hey, can you please keep it down? We're trying to watch a movie. And he, like they were like exchanging some words. So like Alzado took his wife off and out and out in the lobby, the gang kids followed him and he basically got in a fight with all of them and whipped all their asses. There was six of them. Six of them. There was six of them. There was six Justice Payne. No, yeah, he Justice fucking Bay. fucking homeboy. Like he's fucking father of Cosmic Curie. Whoops, six of their asses at once. It. <laughs> so like he great. looked like just a big beefy animal. So then they fast forward. He was to, a, basically they just said he was a true tough guy. Yes, he was a stiff worker. So now we get to the iconic Raiders versus Jets, where the with the uh, Chris Ward incident. Yes. So Lyle Alzado, uh, this is the story where he uh, he ripped off his helmet. Well, basically, they, they were, were like, basically they were talking shit to each other. Yes. And they got into each other's faces. And then he like grabbed friggin' Chris Ward's helmet and stuff and basically friggin' yanked it off his head. And then uh, you see the footage. He looked like he was trying to hit him with it or throw it at him or whatever. Whatever. He just chucked the helmet at him and stuff Which led too. to the NFL installing the rule that it is illegal to take a player's helmet off and hit someone with it. The Lyle Alzada rule. Yep. Chris Ward was like Chris Ward was funny. Oh he, yeah, he, he he was a chill guy. Had some funny lines, but he's like, I think they should have called it the Chris Ward rule. But no, he had some good lines. But yeah, then they talk about violence, uh, about his violent upbringing and uh, and stuff like his past. Yeah, had one of those stories of like, hey, a fucking shitty drunk alcoholic dad. And Lyle apparently broke the fucker's jaw. Yeah, like when he one was going, night. he was going for his mom. Yeah, the dad was going for his mom, and he was just like, "No, just fuck boom. you!" Boom. Yeah, yeah, just fucking like he's like, "You're not gonna throw my GameCube." Yeah, you're not fucking throwing my. Yeah, see, Lyle Alzado. That's what Brian Pillman Jr. should have done. He should have cracked. Oh no, his dad's jaw. <laughs> I think Brian Pillman Jr. being more of a passive chill dude is better than like. I don't know if we need a world full of, like Lyle Alzados. This would be a fucking crazy world. Of course not. God, this is the this is the part where like the edgy <laughs> This is the part where the edgy listeners are just like, we need more tough guys. We don't need any fucking snowflakes. No, I don't need fucking like Lao Zedos trying to like punch at we me. We don't we don't need America to be not as aware of concussions as we were 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, we'll talk about concussions later. Oh, yeah. So uh yeah, so that happened. They mentioned how he took growth hormones as well in times. He leads, basically he, steroid and growth hormones. He leads them to the Super Bowl, though, and Usually they win. Usually they, they kind of like lead into with each other and stuff, yeah. too. Because I know steroids do help get you big and stuff, but I think uh, growth hormones kind of help get you shredded. That's what I wanted to ask, because that's one thing I've always understood. I've mi- I've never, granted, I've never really done research, but I've always, I've always misunderstood that about steroids and growth hormones. When people talk about steroids, like whenever they like, I don't know, portray in like things like shows and movies, they always like, they make it sound like, Oh, someone takes steroids once, and then they're just a super animal. Like, like the steroid no, itself no, no. makes them stronger and faster. It makes them bigger. I know. For That's sure. just it. It just makes you bigger, right? Yeah. I well, I know there's. I think the growth steroids is an umbrella term, isn't it? It could be, but basically, I know for sure steroids kind of like what most purpose was for bodybuilders. It helps you get bigger, but it's not going to help you get shredded. So that's right. why you take growth hormones. That gets you shredded. Didn't people used to think you were on steroids in high school? I don't know why people do. 
But, <laughs> so I was like fucking like. So I you liked, actually worked out in gym class. I worked out in gym class. Now mm. I wouldn't really do much fucking heavy lifting. You know what's fucking crazy? Mm. Um, like obviously listeners, you won't care, but I'll try to keep this as like most generalized. Remember local band Dagoras and yeah. like lead man fucking um Andre? Yeah, Andres. Andres. Andreas. So he became a fucking power lifter and hey, his, what? Yeah, I know. And his last competition he just shredded his fucking knee. I think he tore his ACL and shit. Just oh, like lifting fuck. something he should John Cena surgery. And I'm just sitting there I was like, oh bro. And like I do like, and I'm not telling you not to power lift. It's a fun exercise. Like lifting huge weights is hella fun and yeah, shit yeah. too. It's like also very rewarding too. It's like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. Oh, yeah, you I feel just, rad. Yeah, yeah, but fucking, I wouldn't do that much as like, like, I think that's more when it's, you're having fun and you're younger and stuff. I feel like not as much doing that as these days. I like to do more cardio and keep it lean and stuff. That's fair. I'm sorry, dude. Like lifting giant weights ain't going to make you shred surf, bro. <laughs> Being fucking huge so, and jacked ain't gonna make things easier just hiking up a hill. True. Fucking playing repulsion <laughs> fucking songs on drums ain't gonna fucking be easy. Looking like Scott Steiner isn't gonna hatch, help, help you ride the pipe. No, it's not. <laughs> right, Riding the pipe. Isn't that what it's... No, the tube. Riding the tube, man. Riding the tube. Get the barrel. So yeah, Alzado leads him to a Super Bowl, but unfortunately, um, I think it was shortly after this, he contracted a brain tumor. Well, the thing is like... Because that's the thing. I don't know when they got Alzado, but I don't know if he was there in 1980 and 83 when they won those Super Bowls. Let me see. And stuff, but whatever. He eventually... They get to the 85 season or post-85 season. Because like, whatever. Around like 85... Oh, fucking. Uh, oh, yeah, you were right. It's Alzado. Yeah. So, yeah, Alzado, basically 85 season, he retires and stuff, too. But then eventually finds out he has a brain tumor and he passes away not too long after and stuff, too. So, we don't know. People were speculating if he got the brain tumor from all the steroids and growth hormone use or the fucking concussions or both. Because that's the thing. Who knows her story? Because that's the thing about the sketchy thing about steroids. Unless you know who the dude who made it? Sometimes lost steroids could be dirty and sketchy. So mm. friggin' like, okay, so it's not like you're getting them from a medical facility. Sometimes these people are just making it like, oh, yeah. the fucking who knows what. So, so who yeah. knows who we're cutting? So yeah, Alzado was with the LA Raiders from '82 to '85. Then he quit, but then he came back in so like I guess 1990. He got, for so it was like the eight, and stuff. So I guess like they like got that '83 Super Bowl. Yeah, this that Super Bowl they won was '84. Oh, 84. Okay, so yeah, in 85. We beat the Redskins 38 to 9. And then from here, they're freaking like, they just talk about like what, then like kind of like they started deteriorating a little bit. Because like, I team. think that was our last Super Bowl. So yeah, once we moved to LA, we were pretty good for that first, uh, no, sorry. Not when really we were there for a bit. We'll say you're that they, like they were good for the first part of the decade, yeah. but then they kind of started declining in yeah. like quality. And then there was like an issue where like freaking Al Davis wanted them to make a new stadium for them, but it's like, nah, you guys suck. So freaking, they just That's went. Probably how that conversation went. And then basically, it's like they went and moved oh, back sure. to Oakland. Yeah, LA won't build them a stadium, but they'll bring the they'll, they'll bring back the Rams, and then they'll bring in the Chargers, and then they'll build a stadium for both of them to share. And as far as I know, this is this was exactly the idea. Dude, there was like, dude, at one this moment, ex- yeah, dude, at one moment, there's like four fucking teams in California because because this was their plan. As far as I know, this was their plan. LA thought that they'd bring in the Chargers and they bring in the Rams and they build them both a stadium so that 
so that it'd be like a team versus team mentality in LA to boost sales for the team and in somehow, some way attract tourism to Los Angeles. And they'd be like, you know, home of the two feuding football teams. But the problem is no, that's no one gives a shit about the Rams and less people give a shit about the chargers. And like, there was a time where the Rams were good, but oh, like, yeah. there's always with all these teams, there's a short period where they were good. And then you have the diehard fans for life. Yes, but some of those, most of those diehard fans aren't like the Raiders fans. Oh yeah, yeah, that's just more of like you guys are just partying at this point. So at the, so at this point, like the party looks lit. Oh yeah, Ravens fans actually are kind of known to be uh, to be a fun. So what are eventually? Yeah. Like, so now we get in. This is these years when John Gruden's with us. Now I need to say well, it's about well after like the LA stuff, they moved back to Oakland in '95. Al Davis at this point is kind of losing faith in people are losing faith in him because. He just doesn't feel as like personal about things he used to do. But then the main thing is he hired a young man named John Gruden. They try to paint this as the idea was he wanted to try to recapture that uh, John Madden heat. And, so he got uh, himself you know, a, a young like, guy, a young, motivated, freaking aggro like coach. But the problem is we didn't win for a bit with him. And instead of giving him like real time to develop and stuff, uh, he traded him. To- well, they made it sound like freaking like there was like a young John Madden. And basically yeah. he went to super success. Yeah. It just seemed like John like freaking was this like John Gruden? Gruden. Yeah, I just wrote down Gruden. You know, no, it's Gruden. Yeah, whatever. So Gruden basically. We never he, won a Super Bowl with the guy, but but he he was he was a good guy. So yeah, basically they like traded him to the Buccaneers in two thousand one. But not before mentioning the fucking talk rule. Well, that's no what they did. Oh fuck! I because like well no, like they talk about here in the documentary and around they talk about trading Gruden to the Bucks in two thousand one. But then now we get into the like the gist of the Romanowski. Yes. Which then they're talking about Romanowski and his early careers and stuff with like, well, I can't, whatever his other team. He started were. with the Niners and then he went to the Bucks. To the Bucks or, oh, Buccaneers? Broncos, I mean. Broncos. Sorry. So, so yeah, with the was, Broncos. But eventually it's like, oh, Al Davis was like, oh, dude, this guy reminds me of Al Zato, bro. Uh-huh. Let's get this guy. He's violent. He's crazy. He's fucking nuts. Romo says, you know, a lot of guys in the football thing, you know, they were, they were big and strong, but he was a fast guy. He recalls meeting the L.A. Raiders, actually, uh, and getting pushed around by one of the guys after a play. One guy came up and, like, you know, smacked him. And he No, no, it's like he pushed him behind him and knocked him down to the ground. That's what I mean, yeah. And then they were, this is like Romanowski early in his career. He got pushed down on the ground and stuff. And then, like, they were watching the tape and, like, the coach saw that and literally went to him. It's like, you don't get fucking punked. If I see that ever happen again, I'm personally going to whip your ass. <laughs> so from there, Romanowski just would, like, I'm never being punked again. So, in, and I can say he never got punked again. So, in 1997, he's fighting the 49ers, the team that thought he was no good, and he wants revenge. This is the famous moment where he spat in a dude's face. Yeah, which and they and men- he was still with the Broncos. Yeah, and they mentioned this uh, in, briefly in the. Um, they mentioned this briefly in the uh, the interview, but. Um, he, uh, it was considered racist at the time. So people like kind of pin it as racist. Romanowski's like, of, he, I don't see color. I didn't pin it as racist. I just saw him just being fucking intense. There are some other incidents on his wiki page that they didn't include in this documentary. There's a, I'm but, sure there's a lot to include. But yes. Uh, oh, and then the other big thing was, um, uh, he broke a dude's, uh, jaw. 
uh, while they were while he was playing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, he freaking was able to sack. Like, well, I'm guessing, like, was a Jets fucking. Yeah, yeah. He sacked He's, a guy and it broke sacked, his jaw. Yeah, he sacked a fucking. Yeah, he sacked. I guess the Jets quarterbacks at whatever time, and like his under his like top of his helmet was able to cast under the helmet of the quarterback and just yeah. shattered his jaw. And he needed surgery for hours. Hours, like maybe six hours or something. That was a quarter Which of the day. Which is an eternity in surgery. That or, well, eternity if you're working and not an eternity if you're clonked out. Well, yeah. So Romo says the positive and negative reactions are what drove him. He says, now he's with the Raiders. At this point, he literally says he started getting fans. People yes. were booing him. People were cheering him. And I think it says He said, like, they don't boo you if you're bad or if you're bad at what you do or something. Like, they don't boo or cheer you if you're like a bad player. Yeah. So now there's, he's a practice, a Raiders practice. His first practice. A man well, we named, also, like I also wrote down like Romanowski with him talking about all this stuff. He just like with this like slow talking concussed demeanor. I'm like, this dude sounds like a fucking serial killer right now. <laughs> like, I don't know if he has murdered anyone. You're on his wiki, but freaking. Yeah, no, he looked gnarly. So his first Raiders practice, uh, a guy nudged him. So he grabbed the guy by the face masks and he said, if you do that again, I'm going to kill you. Let me try to do it like him. Because he's telling the story. I grabbed him by the face mask and I, I said, by the face if you mask. ever do that again, I'll kill you. And then he rips the helmet off and yeets that shit across the field. And then and Al Davis is having just like a fattest boner. He's like, <laughs> oh, God, yes. Oh, we're going to yes. win, baby. We're going to win, baby. So then uh, then they, they mentioned briefly, apparently, uh, you know, besides the growth hormone stuff, they uh, talk about his insane diet. Because he was really into like well, vitamins and shit. They weren't even talking about his diet. Oh, fuck, dude. We we're like jumping ahead because like freaking... Because, like, do we talk about the dude break the jaw? We talked about the post-2002 Super Bowl where basically where the Raiders went up against the Buccaneers. Yeah, what I said. With freaking John Gruden and stuff, too. As the Buccaneers head coach. And, like, as they're playing, John Gruden is like, oh, they did not change up their fucking uh, playbook at all. Yeah, so it's like, this is an easy game. And it's like, oh, fuck. And then, like, yeah, the Raiders start losing center mistake. The Raiders got rocked. It doesn't also help that the center didn't show up because apparently he was somehow in Tijuana at the time. Yeah, something happened where, like, the freaking starting, like, center was in Tijuana. I'm like, what, the fucking Hong Kong in <laughs> getting it on? <laughs> Whatever, basically, he's off rate. I think something bad happened to him where, like, the party didn't turn out well for him and he didn't show up to the Super Bowl. And then friggin' John Gruden just was like, I know these fucking things. And fuck you guys for trading me. So, haha, <laughs> I won the Super Bowl over you, motherfuckers. Oh, man. So and now- then we talk <clears throat> about like Romo and instant practice where he shatters some dude's oral bone named Marcus Williams and stuff. Some dude was trying to punk him and oh, try to be into. Let's not oversell. Let's not undersell this. Well, I'm just telling the no. It's, it's just like the first guy. I almost thought the footage was repeating. Guy nudged him, grabbed him by the face mask. Do that again, I'll kill you. But this guy Marcus is like... Marcus Williams like, yeah, he's sure. He's like, yeah, fuck this guy. So then he like, he's like, whatever. And then he takes a swing at him. And then like fucking Romo Arkham combos him and he dodges. Like, and then he, he gets they, him with an uppercut. So well, gnarly. Here's the thing. It's like he had his like, he was still grabbing Marcus's like face mask and shit. Yeah. And like right as he went to uppercut, he like somehow was able to yank off the helmet and then just like uppercut him, shattering his fucking orbital bone. Shattered. And can never play football again. Ended 
his career. And Romo in the inter- fucking like Mortal Kombat uppercut, bro. And like fucking Romo's in the interview and his response is basically, hey, I didn't start it. <laughs> I, didn't tell you that. <laughs> I didn't try I, I didn't try to mess with someone I think Marcus, I, did, I didn't take the first swing I think Marcus Williams well because Marcus Williams was a young player yeah and I think he was trying to like get try to prove himself solid by picking on a veteran but I'm like oh no Romanowski seems like the one person where it's like you know what I'm gonna tread lightly with him yes if he tells me to jump I jump Oh, I'm jumping. You'll never see a guy my size jump as much if Mark if he Romo told me to jump. So yeah, Romo's I don't need a, Romo trying to fucking like. <laughs> so apparently Romo's in court now, and in his own words, Romo says this, and of course take this with a grain of salt. But yeah, he says I was taking about 250 pills a day, and he was having IV and oxygen therapy in the 90s, which is pretty normal now. But this yeah. was like something in the he 90s. He kept stressing in the 90s. In the 90s. No one was doing this. They, and like, yeah, I could believe it. It's like, yeah, obviously now it's normal to have see, oxygen beds I, and tanks and stuff. I didn't have time to type all that. And I wrote here 250 pills a day and a whole bunch of shit I don't even know how to spell. Yeah. Then they accuse. Then they talk about Roy Rage. And his response is basically. It's like, it's not Roy it's like, Rage. He's like, nah. I was just intense. I was just intense. The like, guy was taking roids and everything. Now we're at the end of this. Of and this like, you know, what? I can believe it's intense. He's he's like intense in this freaking interview right now. So yeah, we don't know if this is post like years of like <laughs> years of use of like his fucking two hundred fifty like supplements and steroids and growth hormones. Yeah, and stuff. Just insane consumption of all this stuff too. But he still comes off as a really intense dude. So he meant this. We're at the end of the documentary now, and this is arguably the most like dark stuff. He this says, been the most darkest thing you could say on, on the dark side of football. He says he had 20, 20 documented concussions in the NFL. 20! And that's documented. And that's just documented. Yeah, I was like, who knows what the fuck, fuck else? And honestly, those are probably all the only documented ones he got on the Raiders. He, he was talking about how there were times where he couldn't find his home, his uh, driveway home. He, he was like driving home. Yeah. And it's only like a like a 10 minute drive from like the like freaking practice field and shit. And he couldn't find his house. He was like, dude, where the fuck's my house? And there's one time where they uh, they were asking him on a thing where they got to gender. You know, they were asking like, him on a piece of paper. male or female? And he said it took him like four seconds to figure yeah, that out. Yeah, he said his like blame black, blacked out on him. And then freaking he was like, I'm a male. What the fuck? And he said, and I never told anyone because... To be put on the sidelines represented failure. I'm like, Romanowski, you're we not a failure. We looked at each other and laughed. I'm like, Romanowski, you're not a failure. Please. So then the this so now at the tail end of this uh episode, his last game is a game against the Broncos. I think it was like the first game in the season. Yes. And he hit this guy, and then when he was laying on the ground, normally he'd be able to get back right back up. He said, but he said the lights were spinning. And so here's the thing. I, he like ran like how he like hit this guy. It's like he was head first in this dude's back. Because if you look at all the footage, that's how he hit people. Yeah. He just went head first. He would tuck his helmet like this and then he just boom right in the, right right here. So that's their chest and their face mask. He probably clocked a couple dudes in the throat. Yes. But yeah. So he's laying on the ground. He can't get up. It's harder than normal. Lights are spinning. So now he finally gets up and he says, quote, uh, more or less, quote unquote, he says, <clears throat> And so I got up and I had to squint because 
if I opened my eyes too much, the lights would start spinning. And so I played the rest of the game uh, squinting. And this happened in the first quarter. He played an entire football game. That I was shocked. I was like, I was like I'm what like, the fuck? Yo, if lights are spinning and stuff, I'm calling it. But he was like, I'm going to play the rest of the game just squinting and stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you're not like getting every fucking tackle. But like, no, fuck, bro. Fuck that. I was listening to this man talk and I was getting headaches thinking about it. I'm getting a headache thinking of it right now. God. But he basically was said like, and that was his last game and he realized his career was over. Yeah, he said he started But dude, he was like there from like 88 to, to like- 2003. I was like, dude, that's a hell of a long career. Yeah, especially in football. Yeah, I was like- I'm like, because it's sitting we like meet him like, holy fuck, that's a long ass career. Most careers in football, you're like, if you're a quarterback, you can be like Brady, get about 20. But for the rest, but well, if you're Manning, if you or Brett Favre, Brett Favre would never leave. <laughs> but <laughs> except until that one like freaking super hot lady, he was like, yeah, sending like his fucking dirty sex messages to to her. <laughs> But yeah, then the episode basically ends with them talking about how, you know, the franchise never really recovered and now we're in Vegas. Cool. Oh, and Gruden's back. Yeah. Oakland Raiders, everybody. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you guys are stoked on Vegas. I don't know. Like Vegas doesn't seem like an easy town to commute. It hurts because L.A. was one thing, but at least it was still in the state. All right. Tell me, dog. Are your parents going to be commuting to fucking Vegas for those games? Dad wants to try to do one a year. One Vegas, one, one game a year. What game would he go to? I don't know, but bro, can you imagine that? how much that sucks for him? He had season tickets, including to LA, since the 70s. Oh, what the fuck? Those were passed down to him by one of his uncles, one of my great uncles. So wait, your pops... Those miss- season tickets were one of the closest things to a family tradition. So wait, you're saying that freaking your pops had season tickets since the 70s? Since the 70s. And no he'd been, way. And he'd heard of the Raiders. And obviously the Raiders have been around since early 60s, so I think he at least caught a couple games since at least 69, 68. Oh, fuck. But this early been- 70s for sure. Yeah, but Vegas is not a fun commute. No, we've Dude, made that commute. Vegas is a fucking desolate bullshit You've land. you made that commute like four different times. Here's the thing. It's like Oakland or LA, there's stuff in between and stuff. Even if you're in the valley and stuff too. We that's have like, to drive through a desert. Yeah, it's like, here's the thing. From where we're at, it's a seven to eight hour commute to fucking get to like Vegas for that. Uh, Dad said if, a, if we did do that, we'd fly out. Okay. Which is, that's only like what? A half hour flight, but like forty five minutes. Who the fuck are gonna be showing these like freaking uh, Raiders games? Just like, dude, Vegas is like a desolate. Like, it's like a big chunk of fucking shit. But everything else around it is like nothing for miles. Half of that is because of the fact that Al Davis, Mark, sorry, Mark Davis, Al Davis's son, pissed off the city of Oakland. So Oakland basically threw the Raiders out. Sort of. It's a long story. The, well, the, short, a long the short story. version is Al Davis wanted a new stadium in Oakland for years because the one they've been playing at, the one next to where the Warriors play, which is also the same stadium, not where the Warriors play, but the stadium next to that where uh, the athletics play is like old as shit. And it's been around for like 50, 60, 70 years or something. That's he only been, be hell old. He'd been wanting a new stadium forever or at least renovations, but Oakland never gave it to him. That's why he, that's the real reason why he moved to LA was because 
because the folks in LA were like, Hey, come here. We'll get you a stadium, but they never got him a stadium. So he moved back to Oakland. They never got him a stadium. Then he dies. And then Mark Davis pisses off the city of Oakland. And now we literally got banished to the wastelands. <laughs> you know, Fuck, bro. Now, granted, yeah, I know. Oh, it's in Vegas. Fuck. Ve- Have you fucking been to Vegas? Have you been to Vegas? I'm just saying. Oakland is not just Oakland. There's like all the fucking towns around. Yes. There's like actual people. Vegas is like, I don't know if there's actual people. <laughs> I'm sure there's people that live in Vegas that aren't fighters or yeah. entertainers. Yeah. Or Katy Perry, who has now is a Vegas, like fucking, um, fucking Vegas. What's the fucking term? Vegas. Not Regency. Oh, um. Vegas. I know what you're talking about. Like she, she, well, she has a show there. Whatever. She has a constant show going on. Re- yeah. Wait, Regency? Whatever. Who fucking knows? But yeah, fuck Vegas. Like, I've ranted this before. Go check out our fucking... Um, anytime we talk about a rock of love and when they go to Vegas. Because, yo, fuck Vegas. Vegas, baby. Fuck. I think I even used the picture of, like, a Raiders fan saying Vegas sucks. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, because Vegas does fucking suck. Bro, I would rather go to Oakland and Vegas any fucking day. And good friend Bone Steel is always trying to convince me, oh, hey, SummerSlam's going to Vegas. You want to go to Vegas, bro? Vegas is sick, bro. It, it always is like, come on, man. Vegas is cool. Like, yeah, we stayed in a shitty hostel, but that doesn't mean anything. Like, hey, no, come on. Stay in a resort. Vegas is cool. Come on. And I, I know you can like Vegas. Can you please come go to Vegas with me? Like, Vegas is cool. Like, and what do you say? I'm like, I don't want to go to Vegas. I hate Vegas. Now, I, now I'm done going like, no, dude, Vegas is cool. Come on. It's like, have you been to fucking Vegas, Dylan? We'd been to Vegas with Wizard and not Blue Dicks. That was one of our best. And I've been to Vegas shows. with fucking Chilla Boat Steel, and it wasn't any better. Oh, no, we're just staying in a hostel. Come on. Believe me, if you do a resort, it's super cool, man. Come on, go to Vegas with me. No, I Come don't. Come on, let's go I, to Vegas. Like, I want to go to SummerSlam. I don't, be- I don't believe in... Oh, let me. Oh, I. Oh, I. I enjoy going to this town because I dropped eight hundred dollars on an expensive room that I just sleep and shit in. I'm good, bro. Like fucking Vegas. I don't want your continental breakfasts. I don't want your lobster buffets. I don't want your swimming pool. Well, the swimming pools. I don't want your fucking theme. Okay, I don't care if the Caesar's Palace has well, a statue Vegas of cool. Julius Caesar. Come on, there's like roller coasters inside, like freaking like skyscrapers. Most of we didn't I'm gonna, go s- on the I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sound like Come a cringy, on. cringy cringe, but like, bro. I don't want to mingle with the 1%, okay? I don't I don't care how nice your hotel looks, how nice your casino looks. There is nothing that warrants like $1200 a night or whatever. No, not worth it. Anyway, yeah. Raiders Raiders good, Vegas bad. Vegas set. That's my opinion on Las Vegas. So we're going to take uh, Dr. Danger uh, piss break and we'll come back with Dark Side of the Ring becoming Warrior. The warrior. I sounded just like the warrior right there. Yep. All right, listeners, we are back for freaking Dark Side of the Ring, becoming the warrior with special guest, uh, good friend Dylan, hanging around in the background. He's got no mic, so if you hear him say something, hopefully he speaks out loud. Say it. Ah! Yeah, like that. Oh, was that Prince? Was that Prince? New? What was that shit you just showed me? Freaking Nasia Moon's voice. Or was that Natsu? Bruh. Okay, so. Oh, shit. Dylan's here. He's going to fucking dank meme us while I go over there. No, don't do that. Try to fuck up our podcast. Let's see how good you do. I know. I have to try that. 
<laughs> oh, funny guy. Oh, funny guy. Twitter. So, yes, becoming Ultimate Warrior. Who's the Ultimate Warrior? Well, now that's a complicated question. Not really. He was a really buff guy that snorted and yelled a lot. Yeah. But he has a very complicated history. During a short There's term. There's been like four documentaries in total about the guy. He was able to become a good sized star in the WWF around the late 80s to basically mid, like, early 90s. <laughs> yes. So, basically, so, the, how this documentary starts off is that. Quick introduction of folks commenting on the what warrior. What made the warrior cool? Like how like yes. his big sick body, his snow crazy promos, his high energy. But then also they talk about all like a little like introducing a lot of his like controversies and stuff. And what most likely seem like his uh, insecurities and mental health. Yes. So we start off with this And that thing. he hated wrestling, or at least he hated the wrestling business. Yeah, for the most part. But and then he... Yeah, I think it's also like, it's kind of like a... I don't know. It's like he says he hates it, but he also didn't put in that much effort, so... Yeah. Let's get real here. You he put effort into his body and himself, but he didn't really put in effort to like, you know, learn the business and learn how to better his wrestling skills. So... So basically... He, oh, and then they mentioned that how, you know, his passing and, you know, yeah... So his ex-wife is on his first wife. His second wife, Dana Warrior, was not on the show. No, because she was on the WWE biography. Oh, the one on A on Annie. Yeah, which they both came out at the same time. But yeah. like chilling over the weekend in San Diego, where I was able to watch both of these. So, oh, how was the A and E one? It's just longer, kind of the same shit mm, though. Okay. But like, I, I kind of like this first wife here though, Sherry. She was you know, cool. Sherry was awesome, and also Bone Steel was like was such a horn dog for her too. Good friend Bone Steel. Hey, she's a pretty lady. She was a pretty lady. And I think the so, warrior had a type. Blonde ladies. Yes. So she Like, literally, said, it was like she looked no different than than Dana Warrior. They're kind of like the same build. And I'm not going to lie. I thought that was Dana. Until they showed her name, I thought that was Dana. All right. So, yes, she said that... Uh, <laughs> Don't just clonking around over there. Uh, she said, you know, when he was out there, like in the ring and stuff, he really like became that character. But when he and you know, you know, and you know, he would be difficult. Yeah, had the know. ego, but yeah, you know, yeah, no, I'm doing my Dave Meltzer impression. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, so, so 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 I, you know, so it, it, it kind of um the Young Bucks put on a spectacular match. <laughs> yeah, the Young Bucks put on a spectacular match. Uh, but yeah, uh, but when he got home, he would be kind of down and insecure about stuff and depressed. Even she shows a lot. This was kind. Of wholesome. She showed a lot of picture of them together when they were younger. The show it's was crazy. like crazy. It's crazy how young they both. Looked. Yeah, and they show was like bodybuilding days, and like holy fuck, holy he's super, fuck, he was so shredded. He was super fucking jacked. This like yeah, he was jacked as a warrior, but his bodybuilding days, he was like even more jacked. This man was a house. Like literally, this guy looked like dude. Your heart looks like it's gonna fail on you. It's not meant to have a body like that. It's kind of there's. She met, tells the story. It's kind of cute how when they first met, I believe. She um, well, what they kind of no like, no when she it's met, not when they first met. It's like their first date. Yeah, yeah right as they're going out of her first. She date. went to a club. She went to meet him at the club he was bouncing at. And when she gets there, she sees him kick open the door and you know the guy he's holding the guy by the neck throws him out. He goes back into the building, gets the trash, and I'm assuming throws it on the guy. And or then, just throws out the trash and then like and then he sees her and he's like, oh, uh, he was like, oh, sorry, I was taking out the trash. And then she was like, oh. Two times. I was like, lol. That's so cheesy. And then she said she was also very sketched. Like, I don't know if I want to hang out with this guy. I'm not I'm not going to lie. That's War a very what as first impression. Young but then Warrior. the rest of the evening was a pretty chill night. Yeah. Young Warrior, I got to say, looked, looked and sounded like a total Chad. Yeah. 
So we see footage. If actually, if you want to draw a trad, just draw a young Ultimate Warrior. So yes, actually. So we see footage of him from the bodybuilding days. This is where I wrote here in my notes, bro. This dude was a, this dude was a house. Bro, he, he was, was a at, house. He was at school for being a chiropractor, and basically his family had like. Well, he was in a he was in a class where he was learning about genetics and stuff. Yeah, and then I made him think about how his family, where a lot of his grandparents, around they hit the age of fifty, whatever, their hearts take a dump on them. So. Yeah, heart attacks, heart attacks, or hearts like stop or whatever. So it so it it uh, it helped him like he's really- just like oh shit. Well, yeah. I'm, my life might be short, so I should put in as much effort as I can right now. So it's, it's nothing. It's like it's all go, no bro. So he's, did they say he was going to California next? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he goes well, to California yeah. for bodybuilding. Well, he learns genetics, yeah. gets sketch, and then starts going full ham on his life. Then he gets, then her, then him and Sherry get married. Then yes. he decides to go full on with his bodybuilding career and move to California. Where he meets a young man named, a man called Sting. Uh, Sting sees something in the two of them together. So they put together some promo packages and they, they're going to be as a tag team. And they attempt some, to go do pro wrestling. Yeah, together. he uh, he sends some tapes to a Jerry Jarrett. Now, Jim Cornette on, he wasn't like a main star of this show, but his input's always valued. He wasn't a fan of the man. He basically said that Sting and Warriors act uh, stank together, but they had... Like I think he said the words physical charisma. There was like yeah, a physical charisma. They were actually like a sight to behold. But in the ring, wrestling, wrestling fans, that's no brainer. Yeah, and they're like, but their wrestling was total fucking trash. Yeah, which is hard to believe Sting was ever like a bad wrestler. But everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, no, and they like just talked about. It. But then we meet so, Jr. and he said, yeah, basically, oh my god, Jr. was so fucking ruthless on this show. Yeah, dude, he just said the Warriors straight up just sucked. I'm like, fuck, bro. Yeah, he said. He says he had no ring skills, a rotten attitude, and it was it was crazy. But yeah, so um, the people at the company they were working with they saw potential in them, but they didn't want to train them. So they uh, you know, they fast forward to now where they're the the Blade Runners. Um, so they sent them. This is sorry, I got confused. The wrestling promotion didn't want to train them, so they sent them to Deep South Wrestling. What was this it, Deep is where South, they became, or they go to World Class Wrestling, basically? That was after. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're the Blade Runners, Rotten Attitude, blah, blah, blah. The basically, I, they, there's a bench where eventually they have talk, where like people are talking where Sting actually wanted to get good and actually try to like get better at it, or just wanted to go off on his own and do his own thing. Yeah, and that was reflected in the way people... Uh, reacted to him. The the idea was people liked Sting, but not a lot of people. No one liked Warrior. So now Warrior goes to WCCW, World Class Wrestling, uh, World Class Championship Wrestling, actually, because oh. it was WCCW. Yeah, all I got originally. was just World Class Wrestling, like what they said, but whatever. David Manning on. He was the promoter, ref, and booker for the company. He said, none, at the time, none of their audience knew who he was, so they kind of just rebuilt him from the ground up uh, as the Dingo Warrior. He said the idea was, you know, because he was a big, scary heel, and, you know, he had his crazy charisma, so he was like a rabid dog. With, and, you know, with his freak physique and the screaming, his wife 
bottom like the cheap tassels to tie in his arm, the face paint and all that, and cheap trunks. Like basically, we're talking about how him and his wife were, him and his first wife Sherry were talking about how they got their gear together and stuff, and what yes. the best they could do with like the cheap, like since they didn't have good money to actually buy good gear and everything. So, but we get like the little things yeah. like that makes the warrior the warrior, like his tassels, yeah, his bright color friggin' like face uh, paint. Yeah, face paint and trunks and stuff. But then, uh, what the fuck am I? So he wins a lot and the crowd loves him. And he starts to get kind of a big ego. He he feels he should be the star without really wanting to learn the craft. So then in 1987, Ultimate Warrior, they say, goes to WWF. Cherry well, says he wanted her to, for his first couple, for his first matches and whatever. He wanted her to sit in the crowd and like give in, like kind of give him feedback of the crowd and stuff in his own skills. And she says um, she was very honest. I appreciate her honesty. She said those first matches were very rough. You know, he was working with the job guys. Um, he said, she and said, basically the crowd were getting up to go get you- popcorn and go to the bathroom. Yep. And I know what it's like to do that. Yeah. It's called every time at WrestleMania when a fucking like a pit bull starts performing. It's like, all right, time to go piss. You mean like what? Eight out of the like last 10 WrestleManias? Yeah, bro. Whatever. So they're just like showing clips of him smashing friggin well-known jobber, Barry Horowitz. Horowitz. Yeah. I knew it was Barry. I can't remember his last name. So yeah, Vince hated Vince liked his physique and stuff. Uh, he and looked thought good. He had potential, but he hated the name Dingo Warrior. So they ditched it. And then they, though, this is the way the episode was cut. They showed us an inset promo of him going crazy on the mic. And then well, bam, see, he's just see, ultimate warrior. They now. like talk about like, all right, during around this time, like right before his matches and stuff, they started like editing little insert promos of him, like talking, like friggin' cutting a promo. And he was just talking about, and he did one of his like early, like classic frigging nonsensical, like ultimate warrior promos. Yeah. <clears throat> I was trying to remember one, but the only one I could think of one was the only like warrior promo I could think of off the top of my head was like the iconic one, you know, load the ship with the rocket fuel and load it. With load the, the ship with the rocket load the shit up with the, the shit up, <laughs> load the shit up with the rock. Ah, fuck. Load the ship up with the rocket, with the rocket fuel, load them with the warriors. <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck did he do that? God, he's dying. He's dying. How, ah. how fucking narrow was his esophagus? I just the one I could do is like. Oh, load them okay. up with the warriors. Oh. Do I need to get trampled by elephants in Africa? <laughs> All the powers of the universe course through me. Ah. I'm skipping ahead, but there's a part where Sherry mentions where after the cameras were turned off, he'd like look at the camera crew <laughs> and just be like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> Wait, what the fuck did I say? No, that's shit he'd say, Dylan. He he'd be he'd be like, load the ship, load it with the rocket fuel, and load it with the power of all the warriors. Ah, what do I have to do? Get troubled by elements in Africa. Hulk Hogan, I will crush you, Hulk Hogan, and I will do it with the powers of the great warriors from the great beyond the space and of time. <laughs> Every time I do that, it fucking makes you want to cough. Yeah, I know, dude. Oh, Frig- I didn't snort as much coke as this guy, okay? There's a promo of, like, I think it's like Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, and Hulk Hogan on the same screen at once. Randy was just Warrior and Randy Savage, you know, Macho Man, and just just everyone I mean there, there is so much cocaine that is not seen on screen oh no like, like holy fuck I think one promo I for sure I can remember from the warrior is just like Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan 
when you get on your airplane as you're going to WrestleMania where he's just talking about I was like he's gonna I'm gonna go into the cockpit I'm gonna take the controls I'm gonna put that plane into a nosedive Put it behind the pop filter. Up, 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 up. Isn't your speaker on the bottom of the phone? Top and bottom. As you, Hulk Hogan, travel to WrestleMania by conventional means. <laughs> Ultimate Warrior was fucking whack. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that promo. Yeah. So, basically, back to what we were talking about in the documentary as peeps talk about his nonsense promos. And basically, Sherry also starts talking about, I was like, oh, yeah, all the promos and all his energy stuff. His wrestling might have been the best, but his promos were engaging. And once, and honestly, the to top it all off, what actually really made it was his entrance music where he would be. Damn, just, damn, like, he has, damn, like, damn. like, Ultimate Warrior is one of the sickest fucking entrance themes. And he just starts fucking. Sp- Sprinting down. You oh, just, yeah, that was great. You just see a fucking, like, 
Friggin flash of muscle and color. It's just like a brick, like a freaking brick and mortar, freaking like little like pad just running down. <laughs> like he's sprinting, but he's not like fucking Usain Bolt sprinting, but he's just going for it. And they just shots of him just like shaking the whole ring <laughs> right before he gets in and everything. But then, Jim, yeah, Jim Cornette on talks about how they pushed him hard and talks about like kind of sort of the art, the, the process of pushing someone. Eric Bischoff on talks about how he was, you know, at the time, a real attraction. Apparently, um, <laughs> there's a funny little bit where Sherry mentions uh, uh, Warrior's favorite piece of merchandise was the Wrestle Buddy. Yeah, dude. He was said, like, out of all his merchandise and everything, he was the most stoked on his little Wrestle Buddy. So at this point, he's getting really popular, and it's really hard to work with him. Jake Roberts on, who's one of, uh, you know, one of Warrior's more famous, like, people that held a grudge against him. He could be a massive jerk in the ring. Cornette flat out says he couldn't work, couldn't talk. He thinks he couldn't talk and saying he only got big because the biggest promoter in the world, Vince McMahon, pushed him. Sherry says he was aware of those thoughts that people thought about him. And, you know, she she concedes while they were right. It made him kind of second guess himself, you know, get self-doubt. Because then she goes into his past a bit. He grew up as a scrawny, insecure kid abandoned by his dad who cheated on his mom with the neighbors and he looked to bodybuilding, and he loved the self improvement he got. Yeah, he was just sitting there as like he was a skinny, scrawny kid, but he but he was working at it and realized he was getting fucking jacked. And then apparently he suffered from anxiety too. He didn't even cried. Now I'd never seen any of the other documentaries, but I never bought like Self Destruction of Ultimate Warrior. See, Self Destruction like, of Ultimate Warrior, but that Warrior one was like really, super biased because Vince was pissed at him. At yeah, the time, they didn't right? really talk about much of like this, like his like back history or insecurities, as I recall. I just yeah. remember just talking about like the Warrior and stuff. I felt bad for him hearing that. It's pretty har- harrowing. Yeah, but freaking. Um, so now we're at WrestleMania six. At this, Hogan. At this point, Hogan. He, uh, Warrior is the number two. He's at number two in popularity uh, to Hogan at this point, as far as drawing power and popularity. Yeah, like obviously Hogan's still like one of the biggest stars, but around this time Hogan needed like he needed a break. He needed to step down, and Ultimate Warrior was very super hype because they uh like were able to like. Book them very well. Yes. They have their match and Warrior wins. Uh, it's a pretty it was, fun match. Yeah, I, I remember watching it. It's a good like match. The WrestleMania 6 match is awesome. It's helped because Hogan, Hulk, Hogan carried him in a, in a like work Hogan, sense. Here's the thing about Hulk Hogan, and we're gonna, it's going to reflect. Hulk Hogan was good. He yes. was a very good wrestler. He was, Is yes. he like one of the best and most spectacular Super Spectac- duper technical technicians or like spectacular wrestlers of all time. No. no, but can he? But like, if you go watch '86 Hogan and him brawling, he's really good. Oh yeah, yeah. No, well, he like did. Hogan can work. Like obviously, like as time went on, where he's working like 300 days a year and stuff, and his body is just like start becoming like a fucking just like statue. No one around. can. No one can and keep just, up that quality for 300 days. Yeah, like if you're talking about early like Hogan '86, he couldn't do it. That's why he became a cartoon character. But I believe Hogan has like is able to work a good match and have. Oh, yeah. this. he was able to have a good match with the Warrior, and the Warrior's the fucking drizzling shits. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I guess when you get trained by, uh, I don't know if he got trained by. I don't remember if he got trained by Onita himself, but he got trained by a big name in that in in Japan. So he, the man, well, I don't knows know why he said Onita. Like, no, I don't know why he said Onita either. But I, he trained under something. for sure. He was like a good size. He wrestled him. Though. He was a good size star in yeah. New Japan and around the Ichiban. early. Early 80s. So they have, sure. so like I said, they had their match. The notable thing about this is that Hogan put him over clean. Um, so Warrior wins the belt. He's feeling great. But in, sharing's, in Sherry's words, 
Jim Helwig left and Ultimate Warrior came yeah, home. Yeah, so basically post-title win, like two months after, basically. He went Jim crazy. Jim Helwig, yeah, he went crazy. And the husband that she knew didn't exist anymore. And now it's just <clears> this, <throat> this crazy <clears throat> character. All the time, yeah. She said he was distant, stayed on the road a lot, which he never did. Like he was altered, wouldn't answer the phone. Specifically, she mentioned how, you know, in the wrestling world, you know, if you're, as she said, asking any of the wrestling wives, if your husband doesn't pick up the phone, you get worried. So she had someone do a wellness check on him. And then the wellness person basically called her back and was like, no, he was in there. He was just sleeping. And she's like, oh no. So then she calls him later and and he answers the phone. She hears a woman in the background. And then the most notable part of this for me is she starts going. She, you know, she's crying. Yeah, no. She's, she's like, when you get home, you're going to get papers. Here's the most notable bit for me really quick. She starts going through his stuff. She says, this guy kept a planner with dates, names, and the towns of the girls that he was with. He kept a planner. A he kept planner. a planner of all like a right. little black book. All right, Cincinnati's got this babe right here, but then when I'm gonna go travel down in the freaking Atlantic City, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna got this babe. I'm gonna hit up and stuff. I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? I'm like, that's so stupid. Why would you do that and then leave it home? I don't know. So Jake Roberts he sounds on. crazy and idiotic. So Jake Roberts on. He says Vince McMahon told him they wanted to put him and the Ultimate Warrior together and eventually give Jake the title because, you know, and, and they'd give him a title run, which is something Jake's wanted for years. And but Vince told him, but it can only happen if Warrior okays it. And Jake Roberts said his exact words were like, what the fuck? You're the boss. You tell him. And Vince is just like, look, that's just how it has to be. I'm sorry. So this is not good shit. So Vince McMahon, so uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, Jake goes, Roberts to Hogan, goes to Warrior, goes the freaking Warriors like like freaking locker room and cracks up and it's like he, I think he just says like Hey, can I talk to you? And then Warrior just goes off on him. He's like, listen, to I'm paraphrasing, but it was like I don't I don't care about you. I don't care about your family. Don't miss a match. Don't mess with my money. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that Jake said, that warrior said, if you mess with my money, I'll kill you. And then freaking like told him to like bounce out. And then freaking and Jake's Jake, like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's like, I just sat there and he was basically pissing in my mouth. What the but, fuck? <laughs> but he's putting up with it because he wants that championship. Yeah, because like, I get that title. I'm going to make money. That's right. I'm going to make like thousands, thousands of, on thousands of dollars. Like every week. Unfortunately, Warrior McMahon's working relationships in the shits right now, and come SummerSlam time, we're basically like, like freaking like Warrior's demanding a lot. I, yeah. I'm always thinking around this. Oh yeah, time. I right Warrior here. was trying to demand Hogan levels of fucking money and merchandise. Exactly. But the thing was, is like he wasn't drawing as close or near as Hogan Sherry was. Sherry says at this. So at this point, they're divorced, and Sherry says he because uh, Warrior made his home in Arizona, so. And I think she lived there too. So she, he called her up and asked to talk to him because, you know, they still had a, at least a somewhat cordial relation. Like they have a cordial relationship. Like, honestly, like she's like, the, and like, she's only like the one, one of the few people that freaking Jim Helwig or the warrior can trust at the time. And she basically says he wanted what Hulk Hogan had, the merch, the money, everything. But he wasn't so, as good as Hogan. So he... Nor did he draw. So it's like, dude, well, fuck you. You don't even deserve what Hogan has. So he... Like, yeah, Hogan's whack, but like... Yeah. You're not... But you're not the quality. Hulk Hogan got popular for a reason. 
Yeah. Even Dave Meltzer. Because Hogan's awesome. Yeah. Even Dave Meltzer, his most staunch critic, can't deny that. So he writes a letter to Vince basically saying, give me what Hulk had or I will no show. Uh, SummerSlam. Hold the title hostage. Sherry's like, you can't do that. And he's like, I will. Sherry says she feels that Vin, uh, Warrior actually loved Vince, kind of looked up to him. But and Warrior the thing just about wore the, out his welcome. And that's the thing. The A&E biography kind of said the same thing, too. As in, like, since Warrior didn't have much of a father figure, Vince is, like, maybe the one real father figure. Or close to it. Yeah, and basically a lot of the stuff, he just kind of wanted attention from Vince. And Vince sometimes would just give him, like, stuff, too. Okay, so, so some, that's like one thing this documentary did say, but you could go watch the A&E biography. Yeah, so basically, so SummerSlam happens, and can't, I'm sorry, could you translate what Jake said at the spark? He spoke he spoke so low and gravelly, and my audio quality was whack, I couldn't hear what he said. What I thought I heard him say was they get to SummerSlam, and then Warrior runs to the back. Basically, in SummerSlam, fires. there's a thing where like Warrior's running the back, chasing most likely someone with a chair, and Rise Warrior gets past the curtain, friggin' Vince comes up, I think most likely serving his uh, like termination papers is like all right it's like all right we're a good match good match whatever but you're fired get the fuck out, out of, of my building. building and then he like turns to jake and is like dude you have the worst luck i've ever seen it's like fuck bro that's right he said you have the worst look of a, of a wrestler i've luck. ever seen the worst luck. The worst luck of oh, a wrestler. Oh, luck? I thought he said, I thought he said luck. No, he said I thought luck. He, I thought he insulted no, Jake. No, he said luck. Oh, my. Jake's words. Oh, man. To say I wanted to kill him was an understatement. To say I wanted to kill him was an understatement. So, at this point, so he gets the fuck out of Vince's building. And at this point, he pulls a Chad Johnson and changes his name to Warrior. Yeah, because that's the thing. Friggin' he's, like, sitting there, and, like, they've got, like, audio of his voice and stuff. And he's just saying, he's like, well, like, since they own the Ultimate Warrior name, I couldn't really, like, get anything or, like, do much with the character. So the only thing I could do is go change my actual name to the Warrior so I can actually monetize all the shit I've done. And eventually, once all of Vince's old guys at this point in the timeline go to WCW, he tries... See, here's the thing. I feel like they talk about here, they talk about, I don't know if it was like 90 or 91, like this firing, because he does come back in 92 for a second. That's where, yeah. like, he's not <clears> as big <throat> and stuff. I think it's around, like, steroid trials. He's hanging out. It's like he's teaming up with, like, friggin' uh, Randy Savage for... They didn't really talk about that at all. All they yeah, mentioned in this that, documentary... Yeah, it's 92. They were, like, so, like they, like, they did, they totally kind of skipped over, like, 92 and stuff, because he, like, came back for a little bit. But then eventually he got freaking kicked off, fired again. Because now they jump all the way to 96. You're right. So this is, so yeah, at this point, Vince's old guys are in WCW. Because yes, at the, this is, this is a year almost to the date before Hulk Hogan turns heel. And maybe less. So Vince's guys are in WCW. He reaches out to Warrior for a second chance. Him, Ross, and somebody else actually fly out to his house in Arizona to talk to him. Because yeah, because and Warriors at this point is balls to the wall bonkers. Yeah, because he's been trying to monetizing doing his entrepreneurship and like mostly what we know with entrepreneur stuff is that he started a wrestling school and well, I didn't say it in the documentary, but he started a wrestling <coughs> school and he's got his freaking comic books going on right now. Where's a comic book of him? raping Santa. I think you can find what? it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. I think it's like, I think you can find it. Say that I, again? 
Uh, ask freaking uh, go to the wrestling regret video. I think there's a comic book of like warrior of like warrior freaking like raping Santa. Not physically. It's just like they show like a post thing, but like yeah. Ow, my childhood. What? Ow. <laughs> what do you mean the Ultimate Warrior raped Santa? That didn't happen. Not in real life. In a comic book. Obviously, he's not that stupid. <laughs> Are you, are you sure? Oh, I was going to comment about how he was trying to introduce the concept of Destrucity. And when, I didn't write this down, but I took a picture. And JR just said, the f-, and like to everyone in TV land, you're asking yourself, the fuck is Destrucity? I took a picture of it because I wasn't going to write this down. Trifold in its definition, therefore meaning, one, the name of the galaxy in warrior, wherein the terrain of testament lies, two, the living of one's life in the way of a warrior according to a warrior's eight disciplines. Those are as follows, physical, beliefs, moment of mastery, attitude, commitment, association, integrity, wisdom, three, the creating of a truce between one's destiny and one's reality, promising to stay true to what one is destined to be, yet accepting what is the now, one's reality. And then there's a thing which says, dreams are the movies that tell one's story, some already told, some not yet written. Warrior wisdom. This man was trying to be, I don't know what he was trying to be, but it was insane. He was trying to be many crazy things. And then, so at this point, Warrior is hired back in the WWE, and we see the greatest squash match of all time. Yeah, where freaking Ultimate Warrior was able to squash freaking Huntor. Well, I think this is the reason why Huntor became Huntor. Yeah, I was going to say, if you trace it back, it's proved that his squash match against Warrior is what drove him to be super protective of his spot. Yeah, because fucking fuck Less the than two minutes. I love this match. Anytime Triple H does something to piss me off, I watch this match. It's great. <laughs> so his run kind of sucks. And, you know, the idea is he's old at this point. So he cut, so Vince cuts him and he goes back to Arizona and opens up his gym. Uh, Sherry's there. Talks. See, this, yeah, just like this is not his like wrestling school. This is a, he opens up a pretty successful gym, which I think he might have an idea or two how to run a gym. Yeah. Sherry's there and they become friends at this point and you know Sherry met her now still husband there and um Warrior met Dana there. Yeah, yeah. See this shit, yeah, because like freaking like in the A and E biography, Dana talks about like she went to this gym trying to pick up a job and stuff as a trainer, and he goes and returns, like, ah, oh, well, will you be my like girlfriend? And it's like, what? No. Can I get a job? And he was just like was like just being a total punisher, like freaking like like freaking just like falling around and stalking her, but she eventually like caved in to go on a date and stuff. And I guess he was a cool enough dude. That made me drop my phone. It, he was fucking the warrior was being a creeper because Sherry here, this is a really heartwarming part of the thing because warrior, she says she got pregnant with uh, her daughter and things were getting serious. You Hold know, it. I think I found it. Yeah. What is that monster doing to Santa Claus? The program with Lawler went. Holy shit. Yeah, he had a comic where he either rape or beat the shit out of Santa. It was like jacking his clothes or something. Dude, Warrior was on some next level shit. 
So <laughs> there's a heartwarming moment because she gets pregnant and her and Warrior have their goodbye. You know, they they talk and they both decide it's for the best if um, they, she not come around anymore. Yeah, because, because like freaking like she's got like, you know, she's starting a new life with this new dude and stuff. And Dana start and not that Warrior starting a new yeah. life with Dana. And he held her hand, told her he wished her happiness, apologized for the pain and his infidelity and said he always loved her. And that, uh, you know, he uh, wished her happiness and... That was the last time they ever saw she ever saw him, and I was thinking to myself, "Aw, that's so sweet." And then they go to his unfortunately, and then we go into the next part of his life where he started became a conservative speaker. Now, listen, don't worry, folks. We're not going to be those annoying, preachy, Anti- far left people that shit talk Republican politics. No, no, no. And conservative, but I am and conservative gonna- ideology is not the issue. It's just the like the people conservatives are they go on about is wacky. But what I am going to tell you all is the shit he said, for lack of a better vocabulary, because he is super not cool. Oh, no. He was basically like he would do these like speaking moments and he would be going on anti. He'd be going on freaking homophobic rants and saying racist shit. I took a picture of one of his blog posts. I'm sick of it. And if you have any decency left in you, you should be, too. Keep in mind, this is 2009. Black, white, red green purple it doesn't matter to me i am a human racist (laughs) i am a human racist and i am concerned about the human race my kids your kids our kids have to live in this world will they have to spend as much time or even more defending themselves against it too these kids these obviously black that's in all caps obviously black skinned kids are behaving like animals savages, less than human, like racist monkeys. If it were white people, I'd say the same damn thing. I'm like, would you? Would you? You're kind of (laughs) not. Oh, and then that, oh, and then this was pissing Jim Cornette off because he's a super duper left. And then they were talking about his opinion on the gay folk, which... You know, I was going to read the picture, but Cornette's a swinger. Cornette, yeah. Yeah. Cornet's a swinger, and he has a big boob goth like wife. He does. He is um, just like this fucking nerd here, and he wants and like that nerd over there. And I maybe be- a fucking nerd in the next room. I, I know you motherfuckers. And then there's a, his opinion on the gay. I believe I believe queers are made, not born. This is the belief my life experiences have built. You build your own. And if you are queer, I don't detest you outright or believe that God does or that he disowns you and on and on. It is just that what you are doing is wrong and doesn't uh, and doesn't work. And marriage is not for queers. I am against it. I'm bothered by it. One of his most famous quotes is queering doesn't make the world work. And he tried to explain Actually, yeah, that like one too. a freaking riot breaks out too. Cause they like showed that in the oh, A&E. Really? Yeah. In the A&E biography, like at that college, he says queering doesn't make the world work. And then there's one where he just got this like scrying kids. I was like, no, you can't say shit like that. Fucking apologize. You can't be saying this ignorant shit. And oh, he's like, oh, no. but eventually a fucking riot breaks out and stuff. So, so then we see, then they show his vlogs. I remember when this was posted on the internet where he was shit talking Hulk Hogan. He had like, he was clean shaven, had like his buzz cut. Homeboy looked like a fucking like skinhead. Yeah, he also looked cherry in the fucking face, like his fucking heart stopped pumping up in there. It's like, dude, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He was like all red and friggin' sweaty. So, the, 
So then we jump to his Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, so it's pretty, couple, it's pretty couple jarring. Year, yeah, a couple years. Yeah, they basically, like, all the conservative crazy talk a couple years later. I think he's kind of calmed down. And they come into this Hall of Fame introduction in freaking 2014 and stuff. And basically, we come to, like, Jake the Snake. Because I guess he's hanging out there, too. And he's just sitting there. It's like, oh, I'm ready to punch this motherfucker out for all this shit. I got a roll of quarters. Yeah, I got a roll of quarters in my hand ready to fucking go. This old man, motherfucker. He was like, what, 59 at the time? And he was bringing a roll of quarters in his nice suit to punch this guy. Jake's a badass, man. Dude, Jake's a fucking crazy asshole. Um, Then we end the ass. So he's but then Warrior comes up to him and he apologizes and. They only dude, focus. It didn't on- sound like that, dude. That, that whole fucking Hall of Fame. He was just making rounds, apologizing. <clears throat> yeah, no, because they only focused on Jake, but he did that with everybody. He did that with Hulk Hogan. He did that with a, a couple other folks too. Not Jim Cornette. Well, I get. I don't. I don't know why Jim Cornette was in this. It felt like he didn't really interact directly. It's much literally with him. the only thing, freaking dude. I think that's all they could forget. Oh, I forgot to mention, Jim Cornette showed us the letter that Vince McMahon wrote Jim Helwig firing him. Oh, yeah, that too. It was so great. I'm going to summarize really quick. I'm so sorry. But it basically said, listen, when you came here, you were a nobody, you were obscure, but you seem like you had an enthusiasm for this business. But you have become impossible to work with. You've become a legend in your own mind, which is fine. You're free to think what you want, but you've become impossible to work with. You're fucking fired. It was so great. Oh. I've never seen. I think that's what Cornette is, is that he was able to be like for sure in the mid 90s since he was like one of Vince's freaking bit like freaking under Vince's garden stuff. He was able to relate a little was able to talk about any relation yes. to war. And I think he talked about some of him like working through the territories and stuff. Like freaking like world class, like world class and freaking like Memphis and stuff. I'm sure Cornette was floating around there too. So I'm sure he's like interactive warrior and he's like, dude, this guy's fucking jackass. So and you, zero you can, fucks for my business. You can tell him and JR no, too, but, really don't care about. Yeah. Like, but the credibility of like these interviews, the interviewers, I wouldn't say it was too good. But I think that's what the, the dark side of the ring people had. Like, if you want more better, you didn't really care much for the interviews in this. Well, compared to the A&E biography, we'll have a little bit better, but there's also, it's a little bit more WWE bias and stuff. And then you got like fucking geeks like freaking Rosenberg trying to like actually try to weigh in. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You weren't fucking there. What? He has no right to be there. Now, I I like this one because you know what? Cornette and JR still hold, held grudges, but they were at least honest. I oh, got, yeah, and honest, I got the like, vibe oh, dude, that got, Sherry was honest. Yeah, like, I feel like the piece were honest, but, like, if you ask me which was better and more informative, the A&E biography might have been. But, yeah, that he gives his Hall of Fame speech, then he shows up on Raw, and then... Yeah, where he cuts the, the awesome next, promo, where yeah. he's, like, sitting there, and it's like, everybody, one day, their heart beats its final beat. Your lungs take their final breath. And freaking the spirit of the warrior will run on forever. And then the next day he's dead. Yeah, literally. And here's the thing about the A&E biography, because we're talking about dark side, but the A&E since was able to have more info. They literally had Dana talk about the last final moments with the warrior because they're going to the freaking hotel and stuff. And he like tells her, he's like, hey, I'm not feeling good and stuff. And it's like, oh, OK, don't worry. It's like, yeah, we've been traveling. You might be tired. Don't worry. We'll get you. It's like, no, I need to go to the hospital. And freaking she's like, all right, I'm going to go grab someone. And then she just hears like a freaking treat, like a tree falling sound. And he's just dead on the floor. 
and stuff. And she's just sitting there like, oh my fucking God, no, I did. I, did I just rob my last final moments for my daughters to see him and stuff. Yeah. Like literally the Dana warrior stuff friggin' at the end of the biography was the most compelling stuff for oh, sure. Shit. That stuff's worth the checking out where she's explained the last final moments because like, dude, that's the thing where gets inducted to the hall of fame. He has his great speech and the next day he's dead. That's fucking at the age of like whatever fifty something. Yeah, because like I guess the Hellwig, Hellwig fucking Hellwig men freaking their hearts crap out at like age fifty. His his death still makes me sad, man. Like like I think like I think I can safely say he was probably not a good person, but you know. He was a pillar of wrestling for good and bad. He's not a good person, but he was a colorful character. He's more of a case Honestly, of like insecurity <clears throat> and like freaking. He's just more of a case of insecurity. That was like what insecurity, like having an insecure freaking like um, upbringing and insecure mentality. Because sometimes ego can feed into like insecurity and stuff too. And the thing is, it's like I always used to feed. I still do. I can safely say. Like when I watch Warrior like do stuff, I can safely say I'm still a fan of Ultimate Warrior. But like. As I got older, I always felt like bad saying that because like, you know what it's like whenever anyone talks about Ultimate Warrior, everyone mentions, yeah, colorful promos, yeah, it was over, but they always mention, you know, it's like, oh, but he was such a shit worker, oh, such a shit person and shit promos, this and that. And like, I get it, don't get me wrong, but I just always felt kind of bad for him in the sense that every time, more so than Hulk Hogan probably, every time, so or John Cena, when someone says, oh, I loved Warrior, he's one of my favorite wrestlers, everyone's always going to kind of look at them and be like, but he was this, but he was that, and it's like yeah but he was over and maybe that's simplifying it but you know i he uh you know he's he's a controversial guy he's a controversial bum bummer yeah because like i do feel bad for him but he did some not cool shit yeah i know so freaking that was basically dark side of the ring as like for the most part if you ask me like watching both the biography and this they're kind of like this was a more compressed version but if you like Cornette and JR talking like Bischoff was there was also talking it's like I don't know why I didn't talk about him in WCW like both documentaries did not talk about his time in WCW for whatever fucking reason because that's yeah, one of the did. most like creatively like trashiest moments ever come to think of it they had Eric Bischoff there but Eric he literally, Bischoff. there was a war games where he was in, where he just popped up in smoke for like a minute or two and then disappeared. Like he was so bad. They literally paid him to stay home. That's right. That's how bad the warrior was. So which do you think was better? Dark side of football or dark, dark side of the ring? See, I don't know. Well, what do you think? I'm going to go with football. I think Romanowski and uh, Alzado were way more fun, compelling characters to me to watch. Uh, but if you ask me what was darker, actually, you know what? Romanowski might, got have been scary. football, yeah. Bro. No, I didn't say that when we were watching it. There were some times I started to feel uneasy because Romanowski, you guys got to check him out, man. He's just staring into the camera. He looks like like dead, like wide-eyed, just, but he, he always had like a permanent growl on his face. He just... Look fucking scary. So yeah, you know what? But if you tell me which was better, I, here's the thing: the Warrior one was all right. I thought it was all right. Freaking like now, like the Orange County Boys, good friend Bone still. He thought this was better than Collision in Korea. I prefer Collision in Korea more. Maybe because like the Warrior one, you can like it's a little bit more. I guess you could say it's like well, if you like the Warrior, I guess like you can like that. If you like Cornet and Jr., but. I don't know why. I think totalitarian communist fucking propaganda is like way more interesting than some fucking insecure roidnoid. And you know, if you remember last week, I kind of just barely 
gave the win to Dark Side of the Ring because Bill Belichick, while I hated the content and hate the guy, it was at least entertaining. But there was also kind of him sucking his dick and all his yeah. like fucking shit was just straight like hero, like heroism. But for the most part, wrestling won. But it was but, still compelling. But wrestling just kind of barely won last week. I'm going to be honest. I think on almost every front, I think football takes it this no, week. No, no. Football is my choice. So actually, let, let me get down just for fun, just for shits and giggles. Let me get down the score here. So ring football. Um, so for dark side of the ring, I chose the first week and, and yeah, compared to week. Chad Johnson and Nick Gage, I choose first week. Bill Belichick and Collision Korea. Maybe I was just more disappointed in Collision Korea. And Bill Belichick was so entertaining to watch. I went with a freaking dark side of football. I'm not going on what was darker. I just just going on which was just more entertaining towards me. Or i.e. which did I have more fun watching. And then this week, oh, fucking, uh, yeah, no, football was way more entertaining than The Warrior. Warrior one was all right, but forget. All right, but next week, we'll see. I don't know. They're trying to do two heavy hitters. Well, or this week, sorry, we'll like freaking figure out when we like track it. We got Grizzly Smith versus fucking um, painkillers and players feeling the need to play through pain. So, I'll see which one. I don't know who. I don't know. Playing through pain may led to crazy people, but Grizzly Smith is a story of fucking uh, child abuse and incest. So, they literally for the beginning of like Grizzly Smith, since I watched like a little bit. Of it, but then crash ra- crashed out. They literally had a freaking uh, like uh, open advisory saying this is a story about fucking incest and freaking child abuse. So be warned going into this. Oh boy! Oh okay. boy! Uh, so the so the score right now is dark side of the ring. I have voted dark side of the ring twice. You once, and um, this week and uh, dark side of the ring. I have voted football once, and you voted football twice. So it's uh, it's even. Yes. <laughs> it's even. All right. Well, I think it is the podcast. Uh, I don't know what much more we could do. Uh, we will hopefully come back hella, really quick with the next two episodes. Do you want to meet Saturday? You mean tomorrow? Uh, we'll think. Oh, of. fuck. I don't think I can watch everything by tomorrow. Yeah, we'll think of, like we'll take a second on that. Maybe at the beginning and like the next week. But hopefully we'll get back on like schedule real soon. Most likely shit's gonna go right. Other than that, this is the Doctor at Danger Radio Show with your host James and Edward. Have a good one. Adios. Oh yeah, good friend Dylan's there. Adios.